Hey. Hey, witch, 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 hey. What's up? <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Justina. Hi, I'm Christina. And welcome to Magnolia Street, a practical magic fandom podcast. Well, the first, we think. Yeah, we hope. Right. We really <laughs> we hope, hope we're not stepping on anybody's team. We hope we're not jacking anybody's idea, but I'm pretty sure we're not. So mm-hmm. I think it's good. Thanks all good. Yeah. So, uh, how how you doing? How was uh nothing? Cause nothing passed, right? What are we? <laughs> what? I'm trying to think of like well, when this episode airs. What will Christmas nothing. have already passed by then? Will New it Year's will have- be the New Year? It this will be the new out year. bright and early. All right. So new Happy year. New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, 2023. Oh, wow. Oh. That's nuts to me. Yeah. I feel like it was just the pandemic. Like the yeah. start of all that bullshit. How was your past three years? It flew by. It was crazy. A lot happened, but it also feels non-existent. It feels like a massive blur because we and we moved in 2020, like in the middle of the pandemic, got new jobs, got an apartment, switched jobs, bought a house, got a dog. Like it just like everything, everything happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You know what? I really can't think of anything like noteworthy that happened other than <gasps> well i started my patreon in 2020 which was like a huge step for me and then over the past three years i i think i just created a lot i think the past three years has been probably my most creative spurt of years to date because i was just like so focused on creating stuff for that mm-hmm. that i kind of like just stayed in my little bubble kept my head down tuned out all the bullshit of the world like not to be insensitive and not to be like you know not aware of what's going on around me i was very aware but almost like hyper aware to the point where like it's almost anxiety inducing so it was kind of like a nice little escape for me to just kind of like keep my head in this little bubble and just create Mm -hmm. and it just enabled me to turn out a lot of content that I wouldn't have otherwise and I'm really proud of all that stuff yeah when you're Um, forced to be inside especially through the pandemic like mm -hmm. it it's so tricky for a lot of people but if you got that little creative bone then it just takes over your life I feel like sometimes exactly and the only other thing I could think of is we got our second kitty cat punky so That's a notable experience. Um, and, but other than that... <laughs> you wrote a concept album. We wrote a concept album. And started a podcast. We started a podcast. So that's yeah, crazy. here we are. Here we are. Um, that's a good way to segue, though, into the... What's your idea? Since this is our... We're in the double digits now. This is episode yes. 10. Uh, Dude. 10. Yes. I can't believe that we've managed to pull off 10 episodes thus far. I didn't think we would get past four or five i'm like oh my gosh one of us is gonna get distracted we're not gonna keep on like our our recording schedule something's gonna happen we've been very disciplined because we have calendars we got color coordinated reminders it's on a we're we're in a routine now i think except for except for next week when i have to go to pennsylvania Oh, well, we'll figure it out. We and will again, figure like, it out. We are, we're so ahead ske- ahead of schedule. We don't have mm. to record for a week if we don't want to. Like, that's the beauty of it. Like, we've given ourselves enough time. No, You're, I can't. She's shaking her finger at me. No, we're recording, <laughs> bitch. We are recording. We have, 
it makes me feel so anxious to see because we have a little calendar on our Evernote is like color coordinated that has what has been recorded, what has been scheduled and what has been published. And they're yeah. all different colors. And then if there's too many that are, are not recorded, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. (laughs) I hate it. But like, but you do realize like we're recording a whole month in advance, like for each episode that comes out. So, you know, if we, if we miss recording for a week, because one of us is on vacation or can't get around to recording, that's the whole reason why we record this far in advance in case like one of us can't get to it one week and we have a little bit of cushion. And if we wanted to, we could record two episodes on a weekend. Like we could do that if like, you know, so while you're away, I want you to be able to enjoy your time with your family. I don't want you to have to worry about recording. You know, it'll I be love here. recording though, and I like talking I to you, know, and I'm I excited know. to hear what your topic pick is in the end. Yeah. But you know, so yeah. that'll be the next episode, I believe. Right? All right, yeah. But I want you to enjoy time with your family. Oh, thanks. Well, thank you. <laughs> we'll get. So to tell record. me your idea. Okay, 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 okay. All right. So I was thinking. So for every ten episodes, we do like a, a radio show type episode because we could do that with our Spotify, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We have the Spotify affiliation with our anchor platform. And we've done, I think it was episode four, the Owens House episode. Mm-hmm. We have a song in that episode, right? Yes. Brandy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We have the brandy song in that episode. But somebody messaged us, I think it might have been Kim from I Heart Practical Magic. She's like, hey, I just want to let you know your show, your episode is not coming up in my uh, I guess my computer Spotify. I was like, oh yeah, you have to, you have to play it in the app in order to get the episode because we use the song and it's kind of like part of Spotify's, I guess their policy like if we use a song in their episode it's only available that episode will only be available on uh the spotify mobile app mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's the whole thing with the songs so i didn't really want to like if we end up using songs in our episodes i didn't want to alienate a whole audience for sure from seeing that one episode so like if they see it in apple podcasts or um spotify desktop on the computer it won't play that episode in apple podcast it won't even show up it'll right. just like skip that episode so it looks like one episode is missing from our library because they right. can't access okay. it okay. on those yeah so if we use music i was thinking maybe because we still want to incorporate the music because i think that's like the whole you know appeal of using spotify they enable mm-hmm. you to use the music in your episodes so i was thinking if we wanted to spotlight any kind of music we would do them on their own bonus episodes in between like maybe like every 10 episodes right so since this is our 10th episode we would do this same week we would do a bonus episode of like just the songs songs. that that we kind of covered in the last 10 episodes and just kind of do like a radio idea a radio show kind of style are we gonna number these episodes or are we gonna keep it out of the sequence of numbers and just have it like it would be out of sequence it would be its own thing but we would just put okay so if you're looking at it on spotify mobile app you would still see it Mm-hmm. So it could be like WMSR, like a radio show, right? So like, yeah, yeah, right. So what, WMSR, what the hell's w, what's WMSR? Like you know, you know, like on a radio station, they always throw W in front of. Wouldn't the we be M- MS MSP radio? Oh, MSR was for radio. That's where that's where it came from. So. I would say Magnolia Street Radio, not necessarily Magnolia Street Podcast. Okay, okay, I'm with you. The radio show, so it'd be WMSR. What's the W stand for? They're like wireless. I don't, I don't know. Like, don't they always just throw W? Does it stand for something? Like, they always throw that at the know. beginning of like a radio show, right? I don't know Let me see. because I, we have KPB out here. Not, it's not always W, but uh, what does the W stand for in radio? Um, let's see. Okay, so here it says here's why radio stations always start with a K or a 
W. All radio stations have a four-letter identification code. The hosts of the show typically come up with a more catchy station name than just the four letters, but you still hear it sprinkled in with their morning announcements and other advertisements. And the two letters that you consistently hear date all the way back to when people used to send telegrams. <gasps> so... Yeah, so listen to this. In 1912, several countries attended a conference to discuss international radio telegraphs. One of the things that came out of the meeting was the assignment or specific letters to identify each country's radio station and television signals. The United States was given the letters W, K, N, and A. Try decoding these common acronyms that you probably never knew stood for something. The letters N and A were given to military stations, but K and W were assigned out for commercial use. So radio stations east of the Mississippi River had to start their stations with W and stations west of the Mississippi with K. There's some discrepancy, though, since radio stations that already existed before this rule was put in place weren't required to change their name. So that's why. Wow. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So there is a reason why there's a W. We just found that out. <laughs> so so WMSR. WMSR. There we go. Magnolia did we Radio. Did create a radio station? We did. Okay, so cool. There, I'm down. So, so that'll be every 10 episodes, guys. You will get an additional. If you are a Spotify listener, this is for Spotify mobile app listeners only. Um, mm-hmm. So if you are listening on Spotify desktop or Apple Podcasts, unfortunately, you will not get this bonus episode but you will continue to get you know all of our regularly scheduled episodes about our topics you just won't see the radio bonus episodes unless you're in the spotify mobile app so um, does that make sense I have a question yes what <laughs> yeah. if they're on anchor what if they um, listen if, on anchor if they're on anchor then I, i'm sure they will still be able to access it because i guess because anchors is affiliated with spotify okay Okay. And also one other thing to note, if you are a premium Spotify user, you will be able to hear the whole song that we include. If you are a free user, you will only hear like 30 seconds. And that's not us trying to sell you premium memberships. We make no money from... Yeah. Like uh, Spotify doesn't even have an affiliate program. So we don't make any money from selling premium memberships. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, But yeah, if you are not a premium member, you won't hear the entirety of the song that we are including in those episodes. So I'm just so excited. To, That's a great idea. To give you a heads up about that. But yeah, I thought that was like a fun way to kind of incorporate all the music that we've talked about over the past mm-hmm. 10 episodes without we love music. <laughs> I know. And that was like one of the, the selling points of us starting up the show. Like we were like, oh, there's a lot of music involved with practical magic that we really want to spotlight mm-hmm. um but i also i don't want to alienate alienate the audience we've already built by not having certain episodes pop up in their library because we've included music in those episodes so okay. i thought it was best to keep the music stuff in their own separate bonus episodes so if you want you can access them if you're you know listening on our spotify mobile app and yeah awesome will- dude i love that idea i started yeah. a note WMSR. Yeah, like I said, I created that that Spotify playlist. And also, yeah, guys, we have a Spotify playlist dedicated to all the music on the past 10 episodes we've aired. And we're going to keep accumulating, you know, songs on, on that same playlist. So if you want to listen to any of the music that, you know, we talk about on our bonus w- first WMSR episode, they'll all be on that playlist. So you can listen to them on your own accord. Um, but if you want to listen to it in like radio show format, we'll talk a little bit behind the scenes of each song, give them their own little spotlight check us out on our radio show on our bonus episode yeah cool dude all right man so we got a patron shout out we have a patron shout out who is it welcome michelle k 
Welcome to the Magnolia Street fam. Welcome, Michelle Kay. Thank you so much. We're happy to have you, and we hope you find it very comfy over on Magnolia Street. And thank you to all of our patrons who have been supporting us over on our on our Patreon. We just want, we hope everybody had a super safe, super happy new year. We know it's, it, like we said, it's kind of been weird, just like out of body kind of shit since since COVID happened. But <laughs> we hope everybody was safe and healthy and um, here comes 2023. Yeah. So thanks for being here with us at the start of the new year. Um, we just want to let you know too that our, our book club starts this month. We are hosting over through our $5 and up tier uh, on Patreon. You get access to the Discord and Facebook. Through the Discord, we are hosting our first book club starting with Maria's story and that's Magic Lessons. And every month we're going to get together through the, the voice channel and the, the writing channel and, and talk about it. So feel free to join us uh, over there. We're going to take one section a month and go pretty slow. So even if it's kind of the middle of the month, if you think you can catch up and chat with us at the end, feel free to do so. That's going to be a lot of fun. So what is the ultimate end goal of the book club? Is it just, is it to read the entire book? Because that's going to take a long time if we're doing one section a month, right? So is it just to kind of <laughs> like spotlight spotlight on a chapter and just kind of like talk about that one chapter or are we going to go in order of chapters or are we just going to are we going to kind of like highlight certain chapters that maybe i don't know we want to focus on well i think through the book club i would love to have the other perspectives of of different readers so at the end of the month it's it is going to take a long time to do one book so say we save magic lessons the broad topic you know, later on down the line, which which will be good because we're trying to do practical magic base oriented stuff anyway. But then like getting different perspectives, I think will add to that episode of magic lessons when we get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, okay. That's my thought. Cool. And you mentioned, which I also noticed as well, Alice Hoffman is so kind to add these questionnaires and thought-provoking um, questions at the end of all of her books, specifically for book clubs, right? So that'll yes. be fun to kind of incorporate and kind of, you know, answer those burning questions and kind of like try to pinpoint things we might not have necessarily noticed if we weren't asked those questions. So those, will, for sure. those questions will give us a chance to like focus on certain portions of the book and kind of like discuss them as a group. And then we can even bring them, bring those topics to the podcast episodes as well yeah i think so because just talking to you like i only see practical magic through one lens and then you're like yeah but Uh even just talking to you i'm like oh my god i never realized that so it'll be cool to have more people joining weren't you recently starting up another list of like book first movie like that we missed in the first was it oh dude i was just markering you all the stuff that well not for practical magic but the storyline differences between the books i guess that that we kind of talked about that she didn't Alice didn't really use like an outline for certain things but yeah there were a few differences between like how they bury the different Owens family members and you know what I did notice which book which book is it I think it's in Book of Magic they talk about roses growing overnight which is really interesting I think which I was like I thought it was lilacs (laughs) I know I know. Well, she pulled that from from the movie, which the was movie, really neat. right? Yeah, yeah. Were there a couple other specific ones? Because I remember you saying something. Oh, girl, uh, there were. I do not remember. I do not. Uh, one of the characters was Regina. Was supposed to have black hair. Oh, I think, right, that's right. In the book, and Re- so Regina is Sally and Jillian's mom. But in the movie, you see them on the beach, and she's got red hair. I think yes. that was the other one I saw. Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, there's oh, more. Fun. We're gonna have to do a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. I know. So we're so- talking about Belladonna today. Yeah. Yeah, man. When was the first time you ever was the first time you ever heard of about not Belladonna, but like Deli Nightshade? They're the same thing, right? Yes. Um. So was Practical Magic pretty much the first time you ever heard of 
Belladonna? It was. And I have a little story to tell you about it. So I we watched think, the movie. I think I remember you you telling the story on your YouTube channel and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Which YouTube? That's so funny. I um, think it was one I of your earlier videos where you were like you and your friend were going around asking people if they had Belladonna or something like that. Dude, we went. So my, my friend Sally and I, we went to a Renaissance fair. Yeah, because we had <laughs> seen the movie and we went and our so the Pennsylvania Renaissance fair is huge like bigger than any of the other ones i've ever been to like it's a full-blown town built all year long it's it's massive anyway they have like the little witch's hut like a specific hovel and it's uh it's got like the live roof and like the jaunty little fence and um it's a herb shop like huge um and we went in like looking for belladonna and we ended up asking them like hey do you have belladonna and they were like no because we don't sell poison 12 year old child no dude if they did Listen, if they had sold that herb, we could have really hurt somebody because we were some of these little kids, stupid little kids. I think we could have really hurt somebody if we had gotten our hands on it. Well, I have a question for you. What were you planning on doing with it once you got it? Were you going to give it to somebody? I, I think we we were thinking about giving it to somebody. What? We were so... <laughs> Why? Wait, wait. Who were you going to give it to? And did you understand like you saw practical magic so you understood the consequences of this like this herb like what did you think was gonna happen <laughs> we thought it would make the person sick you know we thought it would like really make them sick i don't think I, I don't think it clicked for my little tiny stupid brain that all of it is a deadly poison so we're gonna talk yeah. about that but stupid stupid child thank you thank you so much for that i don't know how much renaissance people get paid but jesus christ that woman needs a raise and they were like teenage <laughs> girls too like no we don't sell bella donnie you stupid fuck oh my god thank goodness they didn't yeah man. but I think we I think we would have probably used it in um yeah, some kind of spell work but that's the other thing like if bur if does burning any of the plants cause the same effects like ingesting the smoke we wouldn't have known you know we could have hurt ourselves so yeah that is like the top of this episode this is not for disclaimer consumption. disclaimer do not ingest do not taste do not do not touch it and then not wash your hands. Like, just don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't even yeah. look at it. <laughs> yeah. One of the girls in my um, Magical Moon Collective group, my one friend, Heather, she's, you know, into, I think there's a, something called the Poisoner's Apothecary. Is it like an Instagram page or like a, some kind of Facebook group or something like that? Yeah, um, dude. I think we use them in this one. She's in, in she's super into yes. like, you know, the poison poisonous plants and all that stuff. She had Datura. I don't know if it, that's not the same thing, right? It's different, but it mm -hmm. is a poison. That's the trumpet, that's trumpet flower. Right? Devil's trumpet. Mm -hmm. So D-A-T-U-R-A. She had Datura, I think, growing around her property. She just got like a little bit on her fingers and she got really sick from it. Ooh. Like, yeah, she got Ooh. really sick from it. And she only like had like a little bit like on her hands. I guess she was gardening. I don't know if she was playing. I don't remember like how she caught got in contact with it mm -hmm. but it was just like a little teeny bit that made her really really fucking sick wow you gotta be careful wow. with shit, man it's no I've, joke i've seen them used as a decorative like landscaping plant and i'm like are you yeah. sure are you sure yeah. you want to use that yeah um, there's a, yeah, there's just a bunch of poisonous plants that you really got to be careful of and also they're um wolfsbane if you even touch it you'll die i think there was a wow. article a gardener was you know i guess doing the regular work around i don't i don't remember who this was or where this was but i remember when i was doing research i was um do, putting together an apothecary label pack um mm -hmm. for my patreon and i was doing all like some baneful herbs 
herbs because it was around Samhain. And I was researching wolfsbane and there was an article about it literally killing somebody from the touch, just touching it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you got to really be careful with baneful herbs, guys, whether it's ingesting, whether it's just touching, really do your research and, you mm-hmm. know, really, really understand what what it is you're dealing with, you know? Mm-hmm. Before Agreed. You with it. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So the nightshades are, in fact, primroses. With a curse upon them, says John Ruskin in The Queen of the Air. So today we're talking about Atropa Belladonna, or Deadly Nightshade. So this is not Amaryllis Belladonna, which is also known as the Belladonna Lily, uh, which is a flowering plant. Do you hmm. want to take the AKAs? Did you read through any of these? They're fucking great. Um, No. I was just like, <laughs> I saw all this and I was like, holy shit. Christina really did her research on this one. I just like... <laughs> All right. So I love these names. Okay. So some of the AKAs, also known as Delhi Nightshade, which is a popular one. I think that's probably one of the most common ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Banewort, Devil's Cherries, Death Herb, just Deadly. That's all. Mm-hmm. Deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwale. Is that how you say it? Dwale? D-W-A-L-E. Dwale Berry, Sorcerer's Berry, Tokersh, Satan's Cherries, Black Cherry, Diwali. Dwayberry, Fair Lady, Great Moral, Naughty Man's Cherries. Naughty Man's <laughs> Cherries! Witch's Berry, Murderer's Berries. In Chaucer's day, it was called Dwal or Dwale. The medieval name Dwale means something like spell or sleeping potion, perhaps coming from the Latin dolere, D-O-L-E-R-E, which means to suffer, or more probably from either the French Duel, which is D-E-U-I-L, which is uh, synonymous with grief, and Scandinavian duel, D-O-O-L, which means to delay or sleep. And in Germany, it is known as Tollkraut, T-O-L-K-R-A-U-T. And in France, it's known as Morel Mortel. I like that. It's pretty. It's beautiful. Right? Yeah. My favorite uh, is definitely Naughty Man's Cherries. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I just picture like a little gnome with his like his like nutsack hanging out. Thank you, dude. Even that. And what was the other other one? Devil's Cherries and Satan's Cherries. I just picture his balls hanging out. Right? (laughs) Just balls to the wall. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so funny. It's gross. So what was yours? I didn't ask you what was your first uh, memory of hearing about belladonna was it in practical magic it was not in practical magic i actually i think i put this in the notes further down when we started talking about pop culture because the first that i ever heard of of it was not by the name belladonna but it was by the name deadly nightshade because i was obsessed with i remember for christmas as a kid and Mm -hmm. sally uses deadly nightshade to make the evil scientist fall asleep so she could escape his lair and go visit jack right that's that's the first like i guess and i didn't know it was real i thought it was something fictional for this kids movie you know Mm -hmm. i had Mm -hmm. no idea it was a real thing probably up until i saw practical magic and I also don't even think I put the two and two together, like Deadly Nightshade and Belladonna. I did not right. know that they were the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I That's don't think cool. it was till way later when I started getting more into my herbal studies as, you know, a budding, I guess, I don't know if you want to call me like a hedge witch, a garden witch, whatever. Like, you know, I was a little bit more of an adult when I kind of put the two and two together. I was like, of oh, course, yeah. the same thing. But like yeah. as a kid, like when I, I saw the same thing in two different parts in pop culture, 
I had no idea that mm-hmm. they were the same thing. There's, I think that's called a black nightshade. And I'm like, are they the fucking same thing? It's different. There's a black, it's different. So okay. that's way it's down there, but we'll talk about it. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was my first um, kind of, I guess, exposure to the plant. Um, but yeah, again, I thought it was a fictional thing for this Tim wow. Burton kids movie. <laughs> like I had I no idea. I think it's funny that it shows up, at, the character's name is Sally in both Oh my movies. God. That's right. You know? Isn't that yeah. funny? That is funny. How about that? Yeah. And then- when I was like, I was dating this guy probably in my 20s. He knew I was obsessed with it and I remember for Christmas and his family would always go to Disney and they had, I guess this is like right at the start of Nightmare Before Christmas being like a Disney thing because it used to just yeah. be touchstone pictures. It was never a oh, Disney okay. movie before, before that. Like in the 90s when it first came out, it was not a Disney movie. Um, But when Disney kind of took it over, they started churning out all this merchandise and one of the first things I got, he brought me back like a little jar. It was like a replica of the jar in the movie that she uses to put in the deadly nightshade and it looks mm-hmm. exactly like the jar in the in the movie you still have it yeah it's at my parents house oh fun yeah. okay cool yeah. it just says deadly nightshade on it and it looks exactly like the jar that sally has in the movie that yeah. is really cool if you can include that in your after hours if you you know if you snag a picture of it yeah i'll have to go i'll have to go actually i'll have to go steal it from my parents house and just bring it back over here <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot awesome. of things over there that i forget that like i left there like i still haven't brought here so that's one of the things i'm like oh shit they still have that. I should probably. <laughs> cool. I can't wait to say it. Some of the places that uh, Belladonna shows up in the Practical Magic series, we're going to talk about where it comes up in the movie and all the books. So stick around for our second half where we actually get into like the medical, scientific, all that good stuff. So this first half is just going to be talking about where it comes up in the movie and books. The first time we see it is in the scene where Jillian has come in the middle of the night to see Sally and she gives her all the goss about her new fuck boy Jimmy saying <laughs> thank God for Je- Belladonna or I'd never get any sleep which gross um yeah. so she kind of just like sing songs this jokingly and Sally's like dude what the fuck like why are you taking that stuff uh, and she says I'm not using it I'm just giving it to him every now and then that's all and Sally like it clicks like you're drugging your boyfriend to get a little shot at doesn't that seem a bit strange to you so Sally right off the bat is like wait why do you have to is he like forcing himself on you and that's the only yeah. way you can get any sleep Jillian comes back with maybe she says maybe period and then um he's strong so much stronger than me he can survive the curse when i first heard this line when she says he's so much stronger than me that's how i took it as him kind of forcing her to into sex so by drugging him she gets out of it but then she follows it up with he can survive the curse Okay. Um, but I had always taken it like she need sh- she need a break. All she right. Yeah. Break. Yeah. And we we see her kind of like putting the that one scene where she's in the bathroom, you know, putting the um Belladonna in the bottle, kind of just waiting for her to kick in so he could fall the fuck asleep so, so she can get out of yeah. there. In the book, we talked about the dr- uh drugstore girl. Right. The hell was her name? I- Irene. Um, and then the line in that that her then the husband, the man she put the spell on, wouldn't even like let her go to the bathroom alone. Because he was so obsessed with her. And then in that scene where Jillian is trying to, she's like, honey, I'm just trying to go to the bathroom. And then he's like, let's go together. <laughs> that was French. That wasn't, let's go together, wasn't Bulgarian. <laughs> let's go together. My name is now Pierre. <laughs> like, I thought it was funny that they kind of threw that in there that he's like, oh, yeah. oh, never mind. Have you heard that Dave Chappelle thing? I want to poo on you. <laughs> Maybe he's into getting peed on. I don't know. Dude, but dude, I would not put that past Jimmy. I'm sure he's into some fucking weird ass shit. He probably yeah, made Julie do all this weird ass shit. And she's like, dude, I need a fucking break. 
<laughs> I feel like their relationship is very Angelina Jolie, Billy Bob Thornton, you know, yeah, okay. wearing the blood around your neck and drinking uh-huh. each other's blood. Like, it's very ugh. intense. Very intense. It, I also yeah. like how Jillian, like, knows that he can survive this curse. Like, even after, like, they kill his ass, he's still hanging around. Like, he just will not fucking leave. Yeah. Even after all that shit. Uh, and then we see in, so it's really not mentioned by name all that often in this movie i think it's about three not it's two definitely two times and then kind of insinuated a third time so uh when the girls are in the car and they uh they are kidnapped by jimmy jillian does her little tele telepathic thing and says the belladonna is in my bag in the rear view to sally and then the last time it's really mentioned forthright is jillian says oh my god how much did you oh you you can say this part you love this part it's, it's i'll my- do the i'll do the jillian and you do the sally oh my okay. god how much did you give him sal and she goes i don't I- know jillian i wasn't using a measuring cup he was trying to kill you right <laughs> yes that is that is it but I, this must have been like the first draft of like a, a script. script i copied oh. and pasted it yeah you all right do that, please. Uh, didn't you say that uh, somebody had for sale like an etsy or something the little rear view mirror sticker that says the belladonna is in my bag it, they do yeah i don't know the creator almost? i don't have that sticker i need to get that. i need to find it and get it you should get it i love that i love that line do you, do you want uh, to take the mentions in the book all right yeah so this first mention is from the practical magic book the first book and on page 26 it says there they ca- they could be found all in a row hulking and silent and madly in love pulling weeds between the rows of nightshade and verbena careful to avoid the scallions which were so scorchingly potent they burned the skin right off any boy's fingers if he wasn't paying attention so is verbena that's not that's not a baneful herb right that's a it is not it's weird that they would that they would plant the nightshade with the other stuff that they'd be using for you know medicinal purposes isn't it yeah you would think cross-contamination that's why you don't plant pet like if you want a a spicier tomato you plant peppers next to it right like that kind of thing yeah i don't know the aunts have their reasons we don't make the rules Right. And also, is scallions part of the nightshade family? I know tomatoes are part of the nightshade. There's other, there's other, uh, there's vegetables that are part of the nightshade family, right? I'm going to look it there's up. Other, there's other things that are part of the nightshade family, but they're not, you know, obviously they're not dangerous. We can eat them, <laughs> but they are part of the same, um, I guess, I don't know, genus or species. What would you, what would you say? It doesn't seem to me that the aunts have very good organizational skills as far as gardening. <laughs> so eggplants, tomatoes, tomatillos, Potatoes, goji berries, pimentos, which is a fruit, uh, peppers, and tobacco are part of the nightshade family. Interesting. Very yes, interesting. All yes, right. Ma'am. So that line in the book, what was that in reference to? Do you remember that the was, context? Yeah, I think, I don't know if Jillian like kind of coerced like the football players or the boys from school to come over and help take care of the garden. I think Got that's it. who they're referring to, to okay. burning the fingers off the boys. <laughs> okay. All right. And then on page 35 through 36, it says, they took her out to the garden at midnight, an hour too late for a silly infant. And they showed her how nightshade bloomed in the dark and how if she listened carefully with her big girl ears, which were much more sensitive to sound than her little sisters ever would be, she could hear the earthworms moving through the soil. And who was that? that? That's so cute. They they were taking out Sally uh, when she was young. And then on page 54, it says, after a while, Kylie and Antonia were spending most of their time in the garden where Belladonna and Digitalis have always grown beside the peppermint and the cats the aunts love so dearly and what is digitalis is that another baneful or is that something else 
What's the herb that Jillian asks Antonia for? No, excuse me, Kylie, is I guess. It, is Kylie it digitalis? Blessing seeds? Foxglove. It's foxglove digitalis? It says digitalis is a drug prepared from the dried leaves of foxglove and containing st- substances, notably digoxins. Interesting. Uh, that stimulate the heart muscles. Interesting. Oh, wow. so, so the herb that Aunt Jilly asks Kylie in <gasps> yeah. that scene. It's Nigellus. Nigellus, not Nigellus. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. Well, also, we'll have to do a whole like episode on Nigellus because I don't know anything about wait. it, so I think that would be freaking interesting as hell. But awesome. back to the foxglove. Foxglove is actually, I don't know if it's a baneful herb, but it is poisonous to animals. Yes. So it is, if you if you have like a lot of kitty cats and stuff roaming around your garden, I'm not sure if foxglove is a, is a good thing to plant. I have a couple planted out front and dude, yeah. they're as tall as me. They get they're tall, beautiful. right? Beautiful. And like right. the bumblebees love it and everything. Papillon stays away okay. from it for the most part. Um, and so does the dog. You know, we try to keep the dog about you, but definitely I've noticed like try- dealing with like pulling like the dead leaves out from around the base if they're like yellowing, I'll get itchy. Like it'll start giving me like a little a little rash of some yeah. kind. So just okay. be careful. Wear gloves. Yeah. Gardening's no joke. It could be really dangerous if you don't know what the yeah. fuck you're dealing with, guys. Oh, for sure. Be careful out there in your gardens. Yeah. Um, so this this next one is on page 80. It says, So I got the idea of a way to keep him from being mean. And then I guess this is in reference to Jillian drugging Jimmy, right? I started yeah. giving him a little bit of nightshade in his food every night. It made him go to sleep before he could start drinking. He was perfectly fine all this time, but it must have been building up in his bloodstream. And then he just conked out. So that was, I guess, right after she realized she had actually killed him uh-huh. <laughs> in the book. Um, I like it. Conked out. I like yeah. that. Yeah. He's so innocent. Yeah. Wasn't he like digging through his glove compartment, singing like a that Dwight Yoakam song or something like that? And uh-huh. then he like, <laughs> like died. He just right. conked yeah. out. He died. But of all the places, like, hey, she didn't have to move him until like the very end. Like she, he was like already mobile in the car. So yeah. she didn't have to like lift his ass to get rid of the body, which right. she probably just should have called the police. Right. Yeah. Especially if it was like a natural, if it appeared to be a natural death thing, she could have just said he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so here's the thing I'm wondering with the digitalis. Oh no, you said nigellus. We'll we'll talk about that. Never mind. I was thinking like the digitalis, like if that's used for like the heart muscles and stuff. I wonder if that could also potentially give you some heart problems if like you do ingest it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, on page 91, it says um, that was when she got the idea for the nightshade, which seemed such a modest plan at the time, just a little something to take the edge off and get him to sleep before he got good and drunk. So again, referring mm-hmm. back to Jimmy. And then, uh, I don't know what page this is on, but uh, Jillian admits she uses nightshade, a plant she always had contempt for when she was a child, pretending it was ragweed so she can give it a good pull when the aunts asked her to clean out the garden. I know I'm allergic to ragweed, but I don't know what the fuck it looks like. Do you know what ragweed looks like? I don't. I know it's always kind of clumped in with goldenrod. Okay. Um, I think it also has those yellow blooms, but okay. But so, I don't know what the leaves look like because nightshade definitely does not look like goldenrod. No, not at no. all. All right, and then the last one is on page two sixty seven, and this says when the aunts asked for the dosage she used, and Jillian tells them the aunts nod pleased, exactly as they thought. If the aunts know anything, they know nightshade, and such a dosage wouldn't kill a fox terrier, let alone a six foot tall man. And that was in reference to them kind of reassuring Jillian that she didn't actually kill Jimmy died from natural causes because mm-hmm. such a dose the dosage that Jillian told the aunts that she gave Jimmy would not have killed him but mm-hmm. again did the aunts know that 
she had been giving it to him consistently over a period of time. And would Mm -hmm. that have increased the dosage at some point, which ultimately had killed him, right? They might not have known she was doing this like for a while. Exactly. And I don't remember reading, I guess we'll go through it all, but I don't remember reading like if you consistently have something like that in low doses, you know, you're going to get used to it. And she probably noticed, oh, he's getting used to it. I need to get more. Right. Right. So it's, it's just increasing over time a and b like i don't know what the long-term effects you know the cons are for for having that in your system over an exactly. extended period of time so moving on to rules of magic do you want to take yeah. this one sure so in rules of magic it first uh, comes on page 176 and it says she'd referring to jet brought along a tincture of belladonna that night a mixture that quickly induces dizziness and nausea then weakness and breathing complications she had planned to ingest it, then get into the bath, and when she passed out, she would drown, which seemed only fitting. So, hello, spoilers. This in rules of, is this rules of magic? Yeah. Oh, this is rules of magic. So she has just lost Ian. I not um, Ian. What uh, the fuck's that hey, kid's name? Not Halen. Um, what's the other guy? Halen's Franny's boyfriend, Levi. Levi. So Levi, Levi. and her parents are gone. Yeah. And she's very depressed. So she's considering trigger warning, taking her own life. So this is how she was gonna do it. But witches can't sing. So I wonder how she was going to weigh herself down. Maybe like being out of her thoughts or asleep right. kind of slows down your magical buoyancy. I have I no know. idea. But this this was in the bathtub of the hotel, right? She went to the plaza to kind I of think so. she got the she didn't she get the same hotel room that her and Levi first like had their did they did they have an experience at that hotel together or were they supposed to? And then he died before they they did. I don't remember. But basically she went there with the intention that she like she wanted to be there with Levi. And then and this is Ra- where she meets Raphael, yeah. right? The bellhop, the man that worked at the hotel kind of like talked her out of it. And mm-hmm. then they kind of like formed their relationship from there because mm-hmm. like she he was just somebody that she could talk to that really had no weight on, you know, the whole experience. He was kind of an outsider looking in. It was just nice that she had somebody there. How old do you think Jet was when she met Levi? Like 16? Because Brandy's 17? Probably a teenager. Okay. Yeah. I also lost somebody, you know, ex-boyfriend when I was a teenager. And I I don't know if the Owens is just love stronger than the rest of us or what, but Raphael was there through her entire life. Like that mm-hmm. was her, her, her companion yeah. through the, you know, if the curse wasn't a thing, they would have probably gotten married. When she dies, they bury her next to Levi. Right. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> held on to that for a really long time. Oh, woof. but also we do, go- you think, do you think that goes back to the, like them kind of being semi-related? Anyway, because like as we have already, as we have have established at this point, the entire Owens family is extremely incestuous, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Crisscross that tree goes straight up, no branches, <laughs> no branches. Um. So yeah, we learn that Levi and Jet are actually related because Levi's family, the Willards, are on the John Hathorne side, and the Owens, you know, Jet Owens is on the Maria Owens side, and Maria Owens and John Hathorne, as we learned in Magic lessons you know they have a relationship and it which i need just... to add to the family tree yes. I, I totally forgot about yes. levi and the and it, and it kind of trickles down from there mm-hmm. but like it's just weird that like it is weird. the incest doesn't stop there you have <laughs> april right in that yeah and then as we learn in um this is going off topic now we should we're gonna do a whole family tree episode for sure yeah but then also when i was reading book of magic they said something about ian and how they his, did his father was like thomas that not not thomas 
his father was Rebecca's. They made a so, reference to him being like the the ancestor or descendant of that like that theater person. Who so the guy's name was Robbie. Rob. Rob. Robbie. And I think Ian's ancestor was in the same company. I don't know if it was actually Robbie. No, I think I I was under you the think impression. It is? I think it is. Why would they? Why would she mention him again? I don't know. That's I w- how they're connected. I don't know. I was that- under the impression that it was Rob and that, you know, because if Ian stems from Rob and Sally stems from Rebecca, that's still incest. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> All right. Let's, we have to do the tree. I, I did We're start gonna, it. So, We're going to do uh, that tree. But Ancestry, Ancestry.com can't handle those kind of relationships, so it's going to have to be <laughs> done by hand. Understandably so. What the fuck? Yeah. All right. So let's go to page... 319. One of the most, one of the more dangerous plants. Oh, fuck me. I just lost my spot. There we go. One of the more dangerous plants were ordered from the Owens farm in Rockport, Maine. Dude, what is this referring to? What are they ordering plants for? Do you mind going to oh, page three, oh, 319 oh, just stuff, in case? Stuff that they grew in the greenhouse. So do you know, do you okay, remember okay, how okay, like okay. The, the Owens, like they have that family in rock in maine they have the main family then they have the boston family like they have family yeah. all over and they always like mention the family coming down whenever there's the funerals they always mention yeah. like that main family <laughs> so okay. i guess jet would order um plants or see oh okay um the uh owens family in rockport maine because they had the farm okay there, right? So I wonder if there is a uh, Owens farm. You should Google if there's an Owens farm in Rockport, Maine. Google that. Uh, Okay, let me try this again. The more dangerous plants were ordered from the Owens farm in Rockport, Maine, and these Jet grew in the greenhouse, still locked with an old iron key. No reason to take a chance that teenagers who could easily mistake Wolfsbane for marijuana might manage to get inside and binge on poison. There behind glass, she kept belladonna, hemlock, nightshade, which could induce visions and was said to be the in the ointment that allowed witches to fly. Henbane, also known as Black Nightshade, boom, there it is, so that's another name, uh, used by men to attract women and by women to bring rain. Mandrake, an herb said to scream when plucked from the ground by its roots, thorn apple used for healing and for breaking curses. So we learned about a little bit about that ointment when we talked about the broomstick episode, right? Yes. Um, so the nightshade is one of those um, herbs that the witches use in that ointment, which allowed them to have those hallucin- hallucinations via the vagina. <laughs> That's right. There's a little more at the bottom too in uh, right. folk, I think our folklore section. Oh cool. So okay. last from Rules of Magic on 406, wormwood is poisonous but can be used for divination. Belladonna, though poisonous, can cause visions and give the power of sight. Mint on the windowsill will keep away flies and bad fortune and lavender for luck. So those kind of like go. some of those old wives tales. Sure, um the sure. wormwood wormwood it says wormwood is poisonous isn't isn't the wormwood what what they used to put in um absinthe did you ever see moulin rouge the green fairy yeah 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 i think the wormwood is the active agent in absinthe that allows the hallucinations so it is i love moulin rouge i don't know if wormwood if a you know a high dose of wormwood like belladonna could kill you but i do know that wormwood i think they they stopped selling absinthe with wormwood in it because right 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 legal now (laughs) um yeah we also talked about it in the broom episode where i think in the slavic culture like brooms that were made out of wormwood were then activated in the the coals 
in their stoves. And we just discussed how that could have possibly attributed to their ritual or divine thinking that like ingesting the smoke like through the wormwood would definitely get you high. Oh, fuck yeah. So this is now we're moving on to Magic Lessons, which is Maria's story. Um, And a lot of this book is her kind of um she has this grimoire with her the whole time the grimoire that hannah had given to her bound with toad skin right and she kind of takes this grimoire with her through the entire book and accumulates all of these spells and i guess potions and all of her her knowledge base is put into this book from her travels you know from the sea to the islands she takes this book with her through her entire life so it says wormwood this is on page 12 through 13. We're so it cut. says, Wormwood is poisonous but can be used for divination, and Belladonna, though poisonous, can cause visions and give the power of sight. And um, you talked about, uh, I think it was our last episode where Alice Hoffman has a way of doing this thing where she reiterates, like, you don't have to consecutively read all the books in order. Like, she gives you kind of the same information so that you don't have to. No, that's convenient. So you're not like, what is she talking about? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so that's nice. Um, so on page 32, she says, for revenge, and again, this is, I guess, one of the things that she added to that, that grimoire. For revenge, um, a wax figure cast into fire can cause damage or death. A curse thrown to bind a man to the place where he stood. Nightshade, wolfsbane, foxglove, you, and fire. The bones of a bird baked into a pie of thorns. Woof. That's a yeah, rough pie. That is- what do you do pie. with the pie? Throw it in somebody's face. I don't know. Does face face does Faith make John Hathorne eat? Doesn't she make him eat yes. a pie? Yes, yes, she okay. makes him eat the pie, and um, that goes back to the whole ending of the book. Remember when the sparrow, the whole start of the tradition of the sparrow mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. she felt bad for doing what she did to John Hathorne. She felt some sort of guilt, so. Mm. That's when I guess she chased it out of the house with the broom for luck or whatever. Because she had that. Okay. She remembered, I guess, killing that bird for her own personal gain to kind of control John Hathorne or whatever. So that's kind of like she felt guilty for that. Did you ever watch, I think it was called Once Upon a Time, that show? Is that what it's called? I remember the show. I don't think I ever watched it. I think I see my favorite character on there was definitely Rumpelstiltskin. He was so, he was like a Hades. He was so sassy. He was so sassy. I loved him, but his thing was like magic comes at a price. Like you all, there's, it's always at a price. So that's what made me think of that. Well, isn't Rumpelstiltskin like, isn't he part of the whole Grimm's collection of fairy tale, like those dark macabre so. fairy tales? Like they're really fucking dark. Like kids' mm-hmm. fairy tales are super fucking dark. <laughs> um, I always remember watching what was it, the fairy tale theater back in like the eighties. They used to have like the VHSs at the public library. It was like a <gasps> PBS production or whatever. I think we got those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember the Rumpelstiltskin one, and that one was always like always fucked me up i'm like dude uh-huh. this, guy, this guy is a shady sh- a shifty fuck man stealing people's firstborn <laughs> <guy's shifty>. <laughs> oh my god um yeah but but yeah totally magic comes at a price exactly <sighs> so this is from page 33 and this says um sparks flew everywhere and in no time the apothecary garden beside the house caught fire including the plants in the poison garden that maria had learned not to pluck from the earth yarrow and black nightshade wolfsbane with its purple hooded flowers foxglove that could slow a heart you lords and ladies laden with poisonous berries all went up aflame their dark fumes breathed in by the very men cheering on the blaze so that's Mm -hmm. a reference to um i guess when thomas and his uh arsenal of men go and um his posse 
they yeah they go they go to kill Hannah right yeah they burn down her house don't they like they secure her to the door somehow I forget or does she stay in the house but yeah they burn her they burn her and then within it Maria flees from the whole thing. The the thing I I never understood about this paragraph is the yarrow. Like it says she had a poison garden, but it says yarrow. And yarrow is not a poisonous herb, right? Mm. Yarrow, like a lot of witches use yarrow for medicinal purposes. I don't know if oh, like, for, yeah. I don't know if a certain amount like ingested is poisonous. And I also don't know if you burn it. If the fumes of it burned are poisonous. I don't know. We don't but, know. Don't but ingest I was, any I of this. Always, Actually, I do drink yarrow. You can drink yarrow tea, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was confused yeah. as to why yarrow was was included in this uh, section of poisonous herbs, because I was like, hmm, yarrow is, as far as I know, yarrow is not poisonous, but I could be wrong. I'm, 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 I'm with you. Some herbs, like, you can ingest, but I guess the fumes, if you burn it, are are hazardous. But again, I, I don't know much about burning it. it is no. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I so know. I was just a little curious about, about that line, because as far as I know, I don't think Yarrow is poisonous. So I don't know why that was included in this section. All right, so going on to page 245, this is where when Faith remembers ingredients from watching Maria, and as we know, Faith is Maria's daughter that she has with John Hathorne, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it says ginger, lemon, salt, the bark of the elm, choke berries, cherry pits, white candles and black candles, black fabric, red thread, blue beads, feathers, wild belladonna, which was dangerous and agitated the spirit, bright yellow, green ferns for lightning never strikes where ferns grow. Is choke berries, is that ch- the choke cherry thing that you, the ink that you made? No, that's poke pokeberry i don't know i I got it pretty pretty sure it's different i don't know what it is interesting so it says bright yellow green ferns for lightning never strikes where ferns grow so i guess there were no ferns where uh (laughs) all those guys were killed and the men the men's were killed in all the books yeah they needed to plant more ferns, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so page 359, it says, It, talking about the garden, had gone wild, and there were jumbled weeds abounding, but there were still stalks of belladonna along with the root that took the shape of a man and was said to scream when plucked from the ground, which I'm guessing, I'm assuming it's talking about the mandrake root. Also, big reference in Harry Potter is a big part of the Harry Potter mm-hmm. plot. Um, and then the last reference in Magic Lessons, it says, The more dangerous plants were kept inside the lock shed, again, reiterating alice reiterating things from book to book this is one of those Mm -hmm. things which now boasted a murky glass ceiling so that light could enter belladonna yarrow black nightshade wolfsbane foxglove lords and ladies with its pretty toxic berries pennyroyal which could end a pregnancy and pennyroyal also um isn't that a nirvana song pennyroyalty are you into nirvana i don't know yeah um but anyway again in this paragraph yarrow is again included in these nightshade and baneful herbs which is confusing to me because i don't think yarrow is poisonous no yeah the internet say that it is not um yarrow is commonly consumed in foods but yarrow products that contain a chemical called thrujone t-h-u-j-o-n-e might not be safe thrujone is poisonous in large doses okay so there you go interesting but for the most part i don't think yarrow is poisonous a lot of witches use it in medicinal concoctions yarrow is what i made my broom with my uh the broom the beast we were talking about right 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 the last episodes so it's not poisonous to the touch that's for sure so you can read all that green stuff if you'd like. Oh, okay. Um, so it says belladonna is sometimes confused with the much less poisonous black nightshade, which is, this is Latin, solanum nigrum, N-I-G-R-U-M, belonging to a different genus within... Solanaceae. Solanaceae. A comparison of the fruit shows that black nightshade berries are spherical. 
have a dull luster and grow in clusters, whereas the berries of a Delhi nightshade plant are much glossier, twice as large, somewhat flattened, and are born singly. Another Mm -hmm. distinction is that black nightshade flowers are not tubular, but white and star-shaped, bearing a central cone of yellow anthers. And there were at least 10 more mentions. Was that in the book or was that, um, I guess, the whatever you were looking up this bit? I think there are 10 more mentions of either Belladonna or Black Nightshade within the magic lessons. Yeah, but I was like, I don't know how long we want to make this thing. Like, I think a a lot of it was Alice just reiterating what she had already done in the other books. Okay. All right. And then a book of magic. I, again, I have not... I'm still like about halfway through this book. I still have to read the end. Um, let me, I'm going to skim through. I don't think it gives any um, All right. spoilers for you. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. All right. So, but you're making headway. You're making headway. And I think we're going to finish around the same time. Okay. So, all right. Page 30 in Book of Magic. And Book of Magic is the most recent one where Kylie and Antonia are in college growing ups. So. It says, in tall glass jars in the pantry, there was mandrake, belladonna, mushrooms of all sorts, blue beets, black feathers, red apple seeds, the hollow bones of birds, and dove's hearts. We're going to do an apple episode, right? Oh, for sure. There yeah. were so many mentions in, uh-huh. in this book, at least. And also Page- Magic Lessons. I know I know they used uh, apple seeds a lot in spell work in that book too cool. so page 56 it says using the greenhouse to grow poisonous seedlings such as belladonna hemlock black nightshade and henbane plants so toxic that antonia didn't think they should be grown anywhere at all this is where i believe antonia goes to check on the house everybody is in old essex county in the uk looking for kylie so antonia is just checking on the house and she happens to notice the greenhouse on page 296 it says he talking about vincent recognized the wicked ingredient on the small kitchen table black wax pins black thread matter root belladonna the berries of lords and ladies the heart of a dove a strange white bone ash and a black candle do you remember what spell work that was referencing Mm, what were they trying to do there i think they had caught up but just missed thomas lachlan okay uh or that this could have been found at no that's that's pretty late in the story i was gonna say this might have been found at uh, ian's house when sally comes upon him and they notice the poppet on the table perhaps okay so on page 310 it says they would get what they deserved each and every one mud and earth belladonna lords and ladies straw and grass and black thread and horse nettle so poisonous a user had to wear gloves when handling the herb to make a tincture that would produce the heck what is this lords and ladies what is that uh, i think it's another baneful herb i've never okay. researched okay. it though but she she mentions it a lot in this book particularly right. um i think this is talking about thomas lachlan trying to work a spell on the whole town basically oh so. yeah he's a fuck I didn't really get that far in the book yet, but um, I did get as far as when Kylie finally, I guess, meets up with him and the, okay. I guess, the bar wench warns her not <laughs> Jessie, to- I think. She, like, yeah. warns her not the to fuck with him. And Kylie's who like, I gotta you- take care of myself. And then, like- Who do you picture for him? I'm having a hard time picturing anybody. I think, like, Tom Hiddleston kind of person. Somebody really slimy and, and I don't know, just bad vibes all around. <laughs> So then on page, lastly, on page 341, it says she crossed devotion field where there were oxide daisies and poppies and wild chamomile and in the shadows, enchanter's nightshade named for Circe who changed men into animals with her curse. And I think we talk about Circe later. I think it's a Roman goddess. Also, if you're into Game of Thrones, you know the name. Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys, uh, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about identifying Belladonna, what it looks like. We're going to talk about the toxic. City. What's that song? Who does toxicity? Is that system of a down? 
toxicity. Yeah. Toxicity. <laughs> um, it's medical uses in the past. Um, and we're going to do our card pull from the Inner Witch Oracle deck. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, we're the Stinas, and you're listening to Magnolia Street Podcast. Welcome back. I just realized that like before before we started like chit-chatting in the very first recording, I forgot that you were going to edit this. So I was just making noises. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and like slurping. So you do whatever you want with all that. All right. I might put it at the end, like a little, okay. little fun, fun little snippet. All right. All right, man. So we're we're back. We're going to pull a card from the Practical Magic Inner Witch Oracle by Grounded by the Moon, except today we're not going to actually shuffle. We're actually just going to read you the Belladonna card because there is a card just for Belladonna. And this kind of goes back to what we were saying before when we were talking about Rumpled Stillskin. <laughs> Does it? Well, no, it doesn't talk about Rumpled Stillskin. I'm just saying how, you know, before how we were talking about Rumpled Silkskin, we were saying magic comes with a price. Like any yeah. kind of wish yeah. comes with a price. The keywords on this card are risk versus reward. Ooh, okay, right, okay. Right. So, so this is the card. This is the um illustration on the card. Mm -hmm. It's very simplistic in nature. We just, you know, there's like two branches of belladonna on this card, and the card, the background is black, so you can't really see. But there are the little berries are on there. Can you see the little belladonna berries? I can. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. They're very, they're very tiny. All right. So this is what it says. So this card is all about risk versus reward. So it says, are you playing it too safe? Live a little and release your worries and concerns for a moment. Take a risk. You never know what rewards you may attain. The universe is telling you that is okay. Go for it. Just do it. This plant, uh -huh. also known as Delhi Nightshade, can easily go from a natural sedative to a deadly toxin. Belladonna tells you to take that risk, but not recklessly so. To aid yourself in taking those risks, and embracing yourself more, utilize the magic of a bay leaf. Write the word risks on a piece of a bay leaf. Speak the affirmation and burn it while visualizing this new energy and confidence coming to you from the universe. And the mantra is, my risks will be rewarded. So this Dude, kind of puts, so a, weird. puts a positive It's so weird that that's the word for that because in the dream dictionary, that's the major word in the dream dictionary for Belladonna too, which we'll talk about later. That's Wait. crazy. Which one? Which word? Risk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a very risky plant to work with, but this card is making it seem more of like a positive. It puts more of a positive spin on it and it's saying just go for it, like take the risk. But I don't know. Do you think that if uh, my thought went to if Jimmy hadn't died... Would Sally have ever met Gary? Oh, good you know point. I mean? Good point. You know, so know. is that kind of her risk versus reward? I guess. Yeah. I guess without without knowing, like subconsciously, she wouldn't have known, right? She yeah. wouldn't know she was going to meet Gary as a result of her poisoning Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. She didn't know that. I mean, in the movie, she does the spell to to manifest this this guy that seemingly doesn't exist, but in the book, that doesn't exist. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Yeah. No. Never. We'll uh, never know. It's just a beautiful card. Mysteries of uh, the universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, thank you to um we're we're not sponsored, but Grounded by the Moon is doing some really <laughs> cool stuff over there on their Instagram and um they got like ritual boxes going on for for Yule and like they got really cool stuff. 
I just wish I had the budget. I know, right? Yeah, those Great. those those uh sub subscription boxes can get get pretty pricey, but yeah. they're gorgeous. All the so stuff in there. Let's uh let's talk about how you're gonna uh, identify this nightshade. We're gonna talk a little bit about its its history and its identification. All right. It was christened by the father of taxonomy, Carl Linnaeus, seventeen oh seven to seventeen seventy eight. A belladonna is a perennial herbaceous plant that is in the nightshade family. Linnaeus was a Swedish botanist, zoologist, taxonomist, and physician. Linnaeus chose the genus name Atropa because of the poisonous properties of these plants. Atropos, which is the unturning one, or she who may not be turned aside, or the inflexible, or the implacable. Atropos was one of the three fates uh, in the Greek mythos. So Clotho spins the thread of life. Lachesis? I would say Lachesis? Lachesis? Lachesis. Lachesis measures and allots the length of one's life, and Atropos severs it. What's the matter with these scissors? Do you remember the Hercules Hercules movies? Do you remember the Hercules Disney movie? The three fates, they only have the one eye that they share. I never watched that cartoon. Does do all the cutting. Okay. And it's not cutting Hercules' lifeline. And she goes, What's the matter with these scissors? (laughs) I have to watch that. She's cute. Uh, uh, do you uh, want to tell us what uh, what Deadly Nightshade looks like? Yeah, but real quick, does taxonomy, taxonomy is, I guess, the practice of uh, putting like plants and things into a class system, like the genus and the species. Is that what a taxonomist is? Yes. Yes, it okay. is. Okay. So Carl Linnaeus invented taxonomy. Is that what this is saying? It says he's the father of taxonomy. So he is he the first one that started doing that? Uh, I cannot say for sure, but 1707 seems plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just curious. I think it's interesting, the origins of all that stuff. But mm-hmm. anyway, so what does mm-hmm. deadly nightshade look like? So deadly nightshade is a perennial plant, which means it comes back year after year on its own. You don't have to replant it. It has long, thin branches. The leaves are oval-shaped, untoothed, with smooth edges and pointed ends. They grow on stalks in an alternate pattern and are very poisonous. Mm-hmm. The flowers are bell-shaped with purple and green coloration, around 2.5 to 3 centimeters in length. The fruit are shiny blue blackberries with five sepals or sepals visible where the fruit attaches to the plant and the berries are also highly poisonous. And this is not to be confused with bittersweet known as woody nightshade, which has the same color flowers as deadly nightshade. However, the flowers of bittersweet have noticeable yellow anthers and are suspended from purple stems. The berries are red instead of black, though both are poisonous. Belladonna is a tall, bushy, upright perennial of the nightshade family that comes back every year. It grows three to four feet high and wide. The dark green leaves are oval and unevenly sized, ranging from 3 to 10 inches in length. The leaves on the lower part of the plant are solitary. On the upper part of the plant, they grow in pairs. Belladonna Mm. blooms for an extended period from June through early September. The flowers are mildly scented, dull purple or lavender with a green tinge and are distinctly bell-shaped. The flowers are located in the leaf axils, the angle between the leaf and the upper part of the stem. The fruit ripens between late August and September and it acquires a shining black color and is in size like a small cherry. It contains several seeds. The berries are full of dark, inky juice and are intensively sweet and their attraction to, to children on that account. So keep, mm-hmm. keep these away from kids because apparently mm-hmm. they're very they attract children. <laughs> um, they could, I could understand how they would be very um, attractive for children to want to eat. Oh yeah. Off of a oh, yeah. Vine. The berries are not evenly sized and can reach about three quarters of an inch in size 
because once they ripen, the, the berries dry up very quickly. Due to their slight resemblance with wild edible berries, such as blueberries and blackberries, the purplish-black sweet-tasting fruit of belladonna poses a particular risk of being ingested. In mm. September 1916, three children were admitted to a London hospital suffering from belladonna poisoning. It was ascertained from having eaten berries from large fruiting plants of a trope of belladonna growing in a neighboring public garden, the gardener being unaware of their dangerous nature. And again in 1921, the Norwich coroner, commenting on the death of a child from the same cause, said that he had found four not dissimilar cases previously. Whoa. So apparently back in the day, I guess, when it was lesser known, like the risks of this plant, yeah. a lot of children were eating these things and unfortunately becoming very sick or dying. So yeah. keep away from children. Belladonna spreads rapidly like a weed. The plant dies back during the winter and regrows in the spring from its thick fleshy roots and birds that eat the seeds without... Oh, birds can eat the seeds without any ill effects, but they can spread the plants to other locations via their droplings, just like any other any other plants or seeds or that's where weeds come from guys like if you have like weeds <laughs> that pop up from year to year in your garden like that's where they come from they come from birds just pooping in that spot <laughs> and, and it's you know those uh plants just popping up out of nowhere like this past year <laughs> i had the pokeberry i had pokeberry uh -huh. i had milk thistle stuff that i didn't have previous years because the birds would just like plant their droppings during the winter and then in spring those things would pop up have yeah. you ever seen uh, a belladonna in real life i have not uh, i've never not seen in the it wild in i have not no yeah. um i don't know how common it is around here to just spring up in in the wilds um pokeberry is very very popular here but i have not seen belladonna in real life so just a couple more little tidbits about it here so atropa belladonna is a branching herbaceous perennial rhizomatous yeah rhizomatous um oh god <laughs> sorry <laughs> mccryptophytes hemocryptophyte did i say that right that sounds Hemo good. Hemocryptophyte, often growing as a subshrub from a fleshy rootstock. Rhizome subshrub, how cute. Subshrub. Rhizome means that it has a mass of underground roots. Herbaceous refers to the fact that it has no wooded elements above ground. Any plant that isn't a cactus or tree, basically. And hemocryptophyte indicates that it is an herbaceous perennial. So it's an herbaceous plant that blooms over more than a single season. In simpler and more visual terms, the belladonna is a leafy plant with purple bells shaped flowers and dark berries. Interestingly, the nightshade family of plants to which belladonna is related is largely edible, containing potatoes, tomatoes, and eggplant, which we established earlier. There are other things that are part of the nightshade family that you can actually eat and is not poisonous, such as those mm -hmm. plants, uh, those fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And um, the nightshade comes from the Solanaceae. God damn it. Comes from the Solanaceae <laughs> family, along with peppers, aubergines, which is, from what I understand, the UK term for an eggplant okay um, and tomatoes and potatoes yeah for the longest time like i had no idea what an aubergine was and then avi was like it's just an it's just a, a oh yeah it's just an eggplant but apparently people in the uk that's the term that they use for eggplant they don't say eggplant in that. the uk yeah and i was like what's an aubergine he's like it's an eggplant just in it's london much more beautiful i know fucking i love eggplant. it yeah oh so, real quick we yeah. we had real quick speaking of eggs we had that we had that live uh right before christmas and i had this amazing drink aaron figured out how to make eggnog from scratch and i put like all this other shit in it and we dubbed it with the name i am the egg man i just wanted you to know i don't know if you saw it on the discord wait i thought we named it helter skelter i like both i think i think um i think we could hyphenate it helter skelter dash i am the egg man 
Or Sweet. in parentheses, parentheses, I am the Eggman. I like right. it. I'm, right. I'm good. Like okay. It. Both Beatles references, by the way, for all you yeah. non-Beatles fans out there. Yeah. Um. So the last couple little tidbits about the um the nightshade or belladonna under the shade of trees uh, on wooded hills on chalk or limestone it will grow most luxuriantly, but indefiantly. But it defiantly oh. prefers the chalky no, soil. I was trying to write definitely. Oh. <laughs> I'm like defiantly. So it actually hates that it prefers ch- chalky soil. It has a love-hate relationship with love, chalk. Love-hate relationship. So the leaves are harvested harvested in early summer and have a weaker action than the root, which is harvested in the autumn. And the fact that the thought that anybody is harvesting this shit just gives me the chills. <laughs> Dude, I have a little bit about this and later on down the line about who is harvesting Right. This shit. <laughs> right. Well, maybe you and your friend in, in like, I don't know, high school. Oh my God. For yeah. Renaissance Fair. Dummy, dummy, dummy. Stupid, don't do that. Stupid, don't do that. Stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> I wanted to say something else about this. I think I just wanted to say that like all of the plant is toxic the berries, the leaves, the roots, everything. All of okay. it is toxic in some okay. form or another. Okay. Don't fuck with this shit. <laughs> Don't fuck with this. Okay, so yeah, that segues into the toxicity of the city. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, take it away, man, with your beautiful voice. No, Go good, 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 good. <laughs> that way we can add it to our Spotify. <laughs> oh, yes, let's add it. Let's add that one. Um, I have not heard that song in down. probably 25 years. <laughs> he's Armenian, right? Is he yes. Armenian? Yeah. Oh, so, I think he's so talented. Have you seen Isn't the video he? of him singing with his dad? No, but I see some of his TikToks and like I, I heard that every time he goes out in public, people scare the shit out of him because they just <laughs> they scream at him. And they're like, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that too. Oh my gosh. Anyway. I'll send you the video of him and his dad singing. Uh, it's like a uh, like an old Armenian song that they sing together. Yeah, really cute. Also, wait, one quick thing about, about Surge. So, well, System Up and Down in general. Mm-hmm. You know their song? I forget which song it was. Was it that one? The Wake Up song? Or was it this one? The Toxicity? I forget which song it was. But basically, there was a whole, like, mini doc on YouTube that I found about... What's that, what's that producer's name? Rick Rubin, I think his name is. He produced that... I think he produced that album. Um, okay. And there's a whole bit about that song and how that song kind of fleshed itself out. They were having oh. trouble writing that song in the studio. And Rick Rubin actually had them practice bibliomancy. Like he had oh. like he had like a library of books, right? And he had Serge go to the, one of the books and pull out lines, like the first page he turned to, like point to a line and pull out the line. And I forget cool. what line it was, but it basically was the line that shaped that entire song. And I think it was one of the first the hit that one of the first hit songs on that album. I'm blanking right now. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, that's really fucking interesting. I had no that idea. That is so neat. Can we find it and link it to the show? Is, yeah. Would it be Chop Suey? <laughs> it might have been Chop Suey. What are the... What's- <laughs> What's the line? The top from- ones are. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What's the line from that song? Like the first line? No, in the bridge. What are the lines? What's the line in like the bridge? Stop sweet Chop suey lyrics. Um, when he's when he says, "Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Why have you forsaken me?" I think it's one of those lines that he kind yeah. of pulled out from this book. I don't know if it was a Bible. I don't know if it was like an old book about religion. I don't know, but forsaken me. Yeah. Oh, I love that song. It's so, really good. So he they pulled out that entire bridge, I think, from Bibliomancy. That's how that, that is so sweet. Which is like a pretty, pretty cool nod to like, you know, witchcraft. Magic. And, and magic. And that yeah. that in and of itself, that just goes back to like kind of our songwriting process and how the whole thing is just very a very magical experience. So I thought totally. that was a cool 
little tidbit to to share. Um, yeah. I'll have to find that documentary, and we will definitely get down below because it's worth a watch. It's totally. so cool. they wrote this song. I'm impressed. <laughs> I want to, yeah. For two things, first of all, Serge looks like my older brother Marco for sure. <laughs> it's very strange. And secondly, I would not be surprised if that was not the. There have to have been more songs that they did that for because, like, sure. I feel like they have a little witch. They, they got sure. a little witch in them. Once they once they figured out that that worked, why not do that again for other songs? Mm-hmm. You know. So exactly. I just thought that was a very interesting little behind the music kind of t- tidbit. But anyway, I love it. thanks for sharing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk about toxicity and Belladonna. So- yeah, that we mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Do you listen to Flight of the Concords? I used to. They were like like early two thousands, like band, right? I think so. Am I thinking of the right? Am I thinking of the right band? It's the New Zealand band with Jermaine and the two guys. Two guys, right? Yes. Okay. I don't know what you the way you said "city" reminded me of one of their songs. All right. I don't remember the song that they sang, but I do remember like listening to them back in the day. I would like download their songs off of fucking LimeWire. Yeah, (laughs) LimeWire. I wait like ten hours to download like half of a song. Yeah, yeah. So all of the parts, Jesus Christ, so off topic. All of the parts of Belladonna, the leaves, the flowers, the fruit, the roots are highly toxic to humans. Again, do not eat this stuff. Uh, And domestic animals, if consumed, it is not toxic. However, to birds and other wildlife. When honeybees feed on belladonna, the honey they produce can contain significant amounts of atropine. Is that why atropine. it's called a tropa? I a think tropa? so. That makes tropa sense. Belladonna. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that goes back to Atropos, Atropos, the, the Greek fate who cuts the string of life. Mm-hmm. So they're all connected. So this, which also makes the honey toxic. So another compelling reason to remove belladonna promptly wherever it pops up. So yeah, like you said, um, how the birds spread it around, the yeah. honey that the bees make can be toxic. So be yeah. careful. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. The oral overdose level of belladonna is only 600 milligrams. The amount wow. needed for a belladonna trip is technically an overdose. Holy shit. It, it is your body's response to being poisoned. Wow. The plant can be used ritualistically in much safer and smaller amounts and still induce a trance. I have a Um, little thing to add here. So I think that's actually, which we'll get into a little later, the truffles that I was telling you about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they use just like, you know, it's like, I guess it's considered microdosing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess it's less- Which is what Jilly was doing to Jimmy. Basically, (laughs) yeah. Microdosing him. Well, I mean, if you do it for an extended period of time, is it going to build up- in your system over time like i don't know right. i don't know hey. but we'll talk about those truffles later because i think that's the whole the whole thing is fascinating to me i don't know if i would have the balls to try them but i don't it's think I would. it's still fascinating to me anyway go on um so the plant can be processed into uh, like the powder of the leaves the root powder the juices of the leaves um a traditional water extract and tinctures okay this site and source continue to um like list dosages but we're we're not advocating for people to choose like belladonna as a means to get fucked up this is on you if you're gonna take our sources and and find these doses fine but we this is the disclaimer we we're not listing those yeah if um, if you guys are interested in that stuff you can head over i think to poisoners apothecary i think they post all that stuff okay i think i think it might be a group on facebook i know there's a group on facebook that's dedicated to i guess poisonous like baneful 
herbs Ingestion. and plants. Okay. If you if you choose to use them in your magic, I mean, some people do, but we are definitely not advocating for it. You know, yeah. I would not. I would not use them. All right, yeah, because it can take as little as ten berries uh, ingested to kill you. That's nothing to kill you. Right, and even few as few as two berries, it can kill a child or an animal, probably. Right. Well, it sounds like wildlife is okay. I would not keep it on the floor for your cat to to oh, chew up. But right, like it right. said, bird, birds and wildlife. I'm assuming like deer and raccoons eat fucking everything. So they might be okay. But again, okay. I haven't asked them. Right. It was said that when taken by accident, the poisonous effect of belladonna berries can be prevented by swallowing as soon as possible an emetic. 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 An emetic. So I don't know. I don't know about this. Just don't, just don't eat it. But it says such as a large glass of warm vinegar or mustard and water. In undoubted cases of this poisoning, enematics and the stomach pump are resorted to at once, followed by uh, a dose of magnesium stimulants and strong coffee. The patient um, needs to be kept very warm and probably put on artificial respiration that would be applied if necessary. That's pretty serious. Ooh, it's so serious, y'all. It's great to have like an, uh, an interest in learning about it to know and educate others but i don't think you need to go licking everything that <laughs> that you're interested in. yeah keep it out your mouth yeah all right so we're gonna shuffle on over to the medicinal uses um because i guess you know belladonna has been used medicinally throughout history mm -hmm. so the compounds that give belladonna its toxicity are the tropane alkaloids atropine uh, scopolamine and hisocyamine. Uh, these You're alkaloids, so good at those, man. Yeah, I, I have to like break it down in my head as I'm like reading it. You're um, doing really good. Each section, I have to kind of like just break it down in my mind to get uh -huh. through it. Um, and it says these alkaloids act as anti-colin... Wait, anti -col I'm sorry, I jinxed you. Anti-colinergics. anti, -colinerg anti Oh, yeah. Anticholinergics, targeting the central nervous system, causing not only the dilated pupils mentioned above, but rapidly increased heart rate, vomiting, sensitivity to light, delirium, hallucinations, and eventually convulsions, coma, and death. The hallucinations experienced by belladonna are said to have drastically different properties than the ones commonly experienced by serotonin-releasing hallucinogens like psilocybin, mushrooms, or peyote. I only know psilocybin. Have you ever done any of those? Fuck no. I, okay. listen, I don't experiment with, with stuff like this. Like, Christina, I think I told you the one story about when I tried edibles once. It was like, yeah, that, it was I think like, that was on our last episode. <laughs> it, no, I think it was on our live, on our Facebook live. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was. Okay. Um, we can get into it's this. It's all blurring it's, together. We can get into this story later, but basically, it was just weed chocolate, like your normal medicinal weed chocolate. It just like, I had no legs for five hours. So <laughs> if, if weed is going to do that shit to me, I am not going to try hallucinogens. No fucking thank you. I would only be interested in trying peyote for I'm watching Grace and Frankie when okay. they try it on the beach and they're together and it's like prepare for some violent vomiting oh, <laughs> followed by Christ. like life-changing hallucinations. Would you and ever she's like, I, why I is the sand that. yelling at me? No, I don't want to shit myself for days. No. <laughs> Um, so when you do ayahuasca, basically, like, you have to, don't you have to go to, like, Peru? It's like a ceremony. Like, a shaman has to administer it, right? And you're under right. shamanic supervision. And Right. I know there's a lot of scams, though, like, happening with that. Dude, 
Um, I think it's morbid. Morbid that talks about the ayahuasca murders. It was either morbid or last what? podcast on the left. What do you mean? Ayahuasca murders. What is that? Gotta go listen to it. I'm going to go listen to that now. I yeah. never heard of that, but I saw Chelsea Handler go and do it. Are you a Chelsea oh, Handler fan? I know who she is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She did it on one of her, ep- or she had a Netflix documentary where she would go around the world and do these like crazy weird Trying things. Thing. And she did. Yeah. She did an ayahuasca ceremony and whoa. Basically I don't chronicles her so. whole experience. Dude, it looks horrifying. I don't know. Yeah, that does no, not look you. appealing to me in any way. I know it's supposed to release a lot of traumas and from your past. And I heard that it's supposed to help you heal in, in certain ways like that. But I don't know if I would have the balls to Not for that. me. <laughs> not for me. Anyway, Belladonna hallucinations can last for days at a time. Oh, no. Fuck that. Dude. <laughs> I, You're so stressed. I'm for- getting stressed about this. The weed chocolate that I ate, I was like, it only lasted for like five hours, but it felt like an eternity. I, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. I can't even imagine a five day fucking trip. No, no, mm. thank you. Fuck that. Mm-mm. Even um, just being drunk, you know, and then having that hangover, you have to convince yourself it's not going to last forever, uh-huh. but it feels like forever, you know, this it's baseline like of like drinking so that casual. It's not even doing any kind of hallucinogenic drug. But anyway, it you are so right. It's scary. Horrible. It's so scary. Horrible. Um, Don't do it, the- guys. Yeah, the victim experiencing bizarre delirium, memoria, dis- or memoria, <laughs> memory destruction. Wallace. <laughs> Wallace. Wales? Cleopatra. Extreme confusion and general discomfort and unpleasantness. Um, the Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine by Andrew Chevalier. Um, is this all from that book? this whole section the bit below okay so yes so this book um we've added it to our links down below so check that out if you want to purchase it on amazon it says the actions of tropane alkaloids is well understood they inhibit the parasympathetic nervous system which controls involuntary bodily activities this reduces saliva gastric intestinal and bronchial secretions as well as the activity of the urinary tubules bladder and intestines so is this basically saying that uh, you lose your bowels by experiencing the effects of this? Does that make you shit your pants? Intestinal and bronchial <laughs> secretions. That's what it sounds like to me. You're gonna, you the, you're gonna have the you have the drip drop runs. Does it make you shit and piss yourself? That's what this is. This that's what this sounds like. Hey, is it true? Like when you do die, that that you that you expel your bowels. Is that right? So did Jilly and Sally in the book have Jimmy shit all over the car? oh man because he died in the car yeah do you think Rick and Mortis set in do you think he was all like trying to get uh, him back in the car I don't know at what point past death like your body actually releases anything left over like in your bowels like I don't know like at what point that happens but I'm I'm not thinking that it happens immediately I'm thinking like the body has to have already been dead for like I don't know maybe eight hours because that's how long it takes you to like digest stuff right I'm gonna look how long does it take you to digest something I'm going to say like at least eight hours. It says at death, your muscles loosen immediately after death, releasing any strain on your bowels and bladder. As a result, most people poop and pee at death. Oh, your shit. Your may also sag, making it easier to see your bone structure beneath. Interesting. So okay. There's so then- definitely feces in that car. <laughs> he could have definitely shat himself. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Whoa. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. So. This um, podcast is so fucking educational. I know, right? We're learning shit. Ha, I see what you 
the you see what I did there? Cool. Surgeons use atropine to regulate your heartbeat during an op- operation. It also keeps muscles paralyzed and prevents excess salivation. And it's still used in medicine today to dilate pupils, inhibit sweating and salivating. Solanine combats drug addiction by having nasty flavor in certain addictive medications. It also helps with motion sickness. It was also used as a soporific to treat insomnia. Also, it was used to treat gout and various wounds. The plant combined with other medications can be used to treat IBS, spastic colon, stomach ulcers, and Parkinson's disease. That's just because it loosens everything up down there. So your spastic colon is not hanging on anything. (laughs) Spastic colon. I just like picture like a quivering butthole, like like you know when you whispering brown eye. <laughs> we call it the uh, turtle head, like you know when you when you're driving mm. home from work and your butt just yeah. knows that you're getting close to your house, so it starts yeah. doing that like. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> belladonna plant has a long and colorful history. The name belladonna is Italian for beautiful woman, referring to the plant's use as a cosmetic in the Renaissance era. Women would squeeze the juice of the berries into their eyes to dilate the pupils, which was apparently considered attractive. Give you those shark eyes, man. <laughs> you think that's attractive? <laughs> like the your eyes are just totally blacked out. Uh-huh. You don't have any iris. Ooh, it's like that dude from, was it the bass player from Limp Biscuit? Remember him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. West, West Borland. Um, that was always creepy to me. I never liked that. <laughs> Fucking hated that. He was the shit in the Renaissance era, though. Right? Apparently. So it says the nightshade root known as mandrake. Oh, I don't know about this. I know. Yeah. Is what? this right? Because I, I think this is all from the same source. I thought mandrake was its own plant. Right. So did I. Mandragora, right? Or is that just referring to the root of a nightshade plant? I don't know. Sorry, guys. All right. That was not expanded upon. That's unclear. Uh, we'll have to dive further into that one. But this well, mandrake is mentioned in the book, so that could have its own episode. Right. But is mandrake just mandragora? It, and that's just the root, like, in and of itself? Or is the mandrake actually a part of a belladonna nightshade plant? Is it the root of the actual plant? That's what, I don't know. I don't know. One moment. Are you looking it up? Uh, while you look that up. It's its own oh. plant. Let's leave okay. that part out. Okay. So this is inaccurate. So sorry, guys. Don't mind that part. It is in the nightshade from? family. Hang on. The mandrake is the nightshade family? Yeah. Okay. So this says the nightshade root or the mandrake root, which is in the nightshade family, um, was often combined with opium for use as pre-surgery and aesthetic in the Islamic and Roman empires. Uh, so that makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. It is not the nightshade root Mm -hmm. um so finally and ironically atropine can be used to treat poisoning which is weird because it's the poison treats the poison that doesn't much sense but it says when combined with an oxime and injected into the thigh it helps block the effects of sarin and vx poisoning so various armies have made a belladonna solution available to soldiers to carry and administer via auto injectors interesting so like an antidote i guess to poison Right. Okay. So along with opium, poppy, and other plants, belladonna was believed to make up the flying ointment used by witches, which we've talked about before. Commentators thought the ointment helped the witches to fly to their gatherings, but it's more likely that a combination of the plants caused hallucinations. And this helps to explain why some people use it in spells to induce second sight, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. And the Illustrated Encyclopedia of Herbal Remedies by C. Norman Sheely, MD, PhD, uh, writes, in 1799, a man by the name of Samuel... <laughs> what does that say? There's so many extra letters. H-A-H-N-E-M-A-N-N. Hanneman. Hanneman. 
Hanneman? Hanneman. A German physician. Hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> best Burger known. King. Burger King. A German physician best known for creating the pseudoscientific system of alternative medicine called homeopathy. And this was proved that the effects of belladonna, um, it was proved that it was used as a remedy and commonly used for complaints with sudden onset onset inflamed infections such as fever, tonsillitis, flu, earache, particularly on the right side. (laughs) What? So Um, specific. Yeah. And it helps severe pounding headaches jarred by eye movement, boils, labor pain, sore breasts from breastfeeding, fits, and cystitis in teething babies. Interesting. That that is a lot. So so (laughs) Samuel was the first in 1799 German physician who quote unquote proved the effects that belladonna had as a remedy for those things got it so and he's the father of like homeopathy Mm -hmm. okay don't eat it guys we're gonna say it again say it again what do you think do you want to take a little break and when we come back we're going to talk about kind of more lore involved with belladonna and where it pops up in pop culture and you mentioned belladonna truffles so yeah i think we're gonna get into that too right we're gonna talk about that Mm mm-hmm Take it away. (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a break, guys. We'll be right back. Hey, we're the Stinas, and you're listening to the Magnolia Street Podcast. There we are. There you go. There I am. There we go. Welcome back from the break. We also took a break. (sighs) I'm liking this episode a lot. This was fun. fun. This is fun. I like science-y episodes. So we're going to just talk a little bit about uh, some of the places Belladonna pops up in pop culture and in art. So Dylan Thomas, most well-known for his work in Do Not Go Gently Into That Good Night, also wrote a piece called Oh, Make Me a Mask. Fuck, I get the the poem. We try to alternate (laughs) paragraphs and sections. You want me to take the poem? I'll try it. I'll try it. I just oh, wait, wait. gotta cover you. Is this guy Dylan Thomas? Is he like a Renaissance poet? What is this guy? No, he was in the 30s, 40s, I think. Okay. 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 I was gonna ask you to read it like Shakespeare, but you don't have to. I could be like, I'll make me a mask and the wall to shut out your spies. Like, transatlantic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do it. Do make- it transatlantic, please. It's so annoying. Okay, I'll try. I'll make me a mask and a wall to shut from your spies. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Up the shop and bomb dies. And see, I can't even fucking read it. In ena- enameled, enameled, enameled okay. eyes. All right, let me start over. I'll make me a mask and the wall to shut from your spies. Nope, I'm not gonna do it. Of the sharp enamel. <laughs> eyes and the spectacle claws, rape and rebellion in the nurseries of my face. Gag of drumstruck tree to block from bare enemies. The bayonet tongue in this undefended prayer prayer piece? Prayer piece yes. is one word. Yeah. The bayonet tongue in this undefended prayer piece. The present mouth in the sweetly brown trumpet of lies. Shaped in old armor and oak. The counter, oh my god. Countenance. The countenance. Shape, thank you. You're so sweet to me. Shaped in the old armor and oak. The countenance of a dunce. To shield the glistening brain and blunt the examiners. And a tear, a tear-stained window grief drooped from wait, wait, their lashes wait. widower widower oh what did i okay he and said a tear window. <laughs> and a tear-stained window grief drooped from their lashes he still said window <laughs> okay widower let me collect. a poor let me woman collect. that has lost her husband <laughs> 
A tear-stained widower grief drooped from the lashes to veil Belladonna and let the dry eyes perceive. Others betray the lamenting lies of their losses by the curve of the nude mouth or the laugh up the sleeve. I am so sorry, Dylan Thomas. Well, uh, that last, that second to last line was a lot of alliteration. It it was much better once I slowed down. It was very The lamenting lies of their losses. Like, what? Yeah. So T.S. Eliot also mentions Belladonna in his poem, um, The Burial of the Dead and in The Wasteland. But many, many more have found inspiration in this plant and chose to capture it and its mysteries um, in Allure. What the fuck did I write? I'm hitting that wall. I keep... <laughs> yeah. I'm hitting that wall, man. What did I write? Capture its mystery and allure. allure. In poetry. I think I missed... A in poetry and art. Yeah. Okay. So many, many more have found inspiration in this plant and chose to capture its mystery and allure in poetry and art. Boom. I got it. Boom. Dynamite. All right. Okay. Tell us about I'm lore. sorry. All right. Here we go. Some lore. Deadly nightshade was known as the plant of the devil in Bohemia. In Christian folklore, the devil loved Bella Donna so much that he would guard it most of the year. If you released a black hen on May Eve, Valpurnus knocked, he would chase it and leave the nightshade unguarded. I'm assuming this was recorded because it made this the ideal time to harvest the plant. Parents told their children that those caught picking the berries would meet the devil face to face, Daddy Satan, and needed a way to discourage the children from eating the berries that were apparently quite sweet. So again, scare your children with death and the devil. And <laughs> they won't eat it. Uh-huh. Right? Right. Okay. That's basically like, have you ever heard of the La Llorona, the Mexican yes. curse? So yes. basically the parents would discourage their children from playing near the riverbanks, mm-hmm. discourage drowning. They would mm-hmm. they would scare them with the curse of La Llorona because she would apparently hang out along the river. She's looking for her lost children. <laughs> Did you? You said you watched Wednesday, right? Yes. So the, she, in like one of the first two episodes, they're playing the song La, uh-huh. La Llorona. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because of her Hispanic background. Right, yeah, really right, cool. right, right. Yeah. So that said, people apparently made it into a collar for their cattle to avert the evil eye. So you could also lift an enchantment from a person by putting a wreath of nightshade on their head. I don't yeah. think you should do this. Don't do this. Yeah. But it has been done in the past. Okay. Uh, in the Victorian language of flowers, the belladonna um, signifies silence. And Macbeth of Scotland used it to poison the liquor supply of invading troops from England. The use of nightshade as a poison goes back at least to ancient Rome. The Emperor Augustus was believed by many to have been poisoned by his wife, Livia. <laughs> Ironic name. Livia? Uh-huh. L-I-V-I-A. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic name. With nightshade. It's likely that this was just a nasty rumor, but the spread of this rumor is proof that the Romans were no stranger to the potential nefarious uses of pretty woman, hmm. in quotes. Augustus was reportedly so paranoid about getting poisoned for a time that he would only eat directly from fruit trees. Oh, interesting. And so the story goes that his wife supposedly smeared the nightshade juice of the fruits of a fig tree while they were still on the branch. So a Roman emperor Claudius also fell to the same fate. So we got women poisoning their husbands. Women as far named, back as Roman times. Women named Livia, which is right. Right, so, right, right. So so don't fuck with this plant because you ain't gonna Livia. You're gonna divia. <laughs> You're gonna divia. You're gonna good divia. <laughs> Along the ancient folk traditions of Romania, Madolvia, which is the Ukrainian region of Bukovina, in the Carpathian. Oh, excuse me, Bukovina. Bukovina in the Carpathians <laughs> is the ritual of the Bukovian. That sounds right. Girl Bukovian. to enhance. 
Oh, <laughs> Bukovinian girl to enhance her attractiveness by making an offering to deadly nightshade. She enters the field on the Sunday in Chauvetide, Chauvetide. Mm. That one in Chauvetide pre-Lenten season, clad in her Sunday best, accompanied by her mother and bringing a bag of bread, salt, and brandy. 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 (laughs) (laughs) She would dig up a a deadly nightshade root and leave the three offerings in its place. As she returned home, she carried the root on top of her head. On the way, both to and from home, she avoided all quarrels and arguments. If asked by anyone on the way back what she was taking home, she would not divulge the truth or spell, or the spell would break. Some accounts, Belladonna was sacred to Bologna. 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 Oh my God, I'm so glad you said it. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Bologna. Bologna. Okay, so Bologna, the, god- the Roman goddess of war. This may be another possible root um for the plant's name priests of bologna would drink a belladonna infusion before prayers and meditation which undoubtedly gave them a number of visions can i just say that these people were brave as fuck they were fucking with death all the time with this shit all the time what yeah. the hell? Fearless. <laughs> Go on. So uh, Bologna was an ancient Roman goddess of war, and her main attribute is the military helmet she wore on her head. She often holds a sword, spear, or shield, and brandishes a torch or whip as she rides into battle in a four-horse chariot. She had many temples throughout the, the Roman Empire. She is also known for her temple outside Rome, being the official decision-making center in regards to war, and for her bloodlust and madness in battle oh that's dope she sounds Mm -hmm. awesome her iconography was extended by painters and sculptors following the renaissance before the war so this doesn't specify which war i'm assuming world war ii okay before the war the bulk of the world's supply of belladonna was derived from plants growing wild on waste stony places in southern europe the industry was an important one in croatia (laughs) shout out and slovenia in the south of hungary the chief center for foreign belladonna the annual crop in those provinces having been uh, estimated at 60 to 100 tons of dried leaves and 150 to 200 tons of dry root. In 1908, the largest uh, exporter in Slovenia is said to have sent out 29,880 pounds of dried belladonna root. So there is the belladonna. that's a lot. There's that question to answer about who the fuck is who is harvesting this. (laughs) So since they're talking about 1908, uh is that world war one history lesson um world war one was from no nine you said 1908 right so world so war one started saying, in 1914 so it was before that's that. what they're that's what i'm saying you said pre-world war one so at the beginning of this it says before the war but it doesn't oh, specify okay, okay, so okay, then i'm right. saying in 1908 so i'm supposing they're talking about before world war one. right yep that's gotta be it but that's yeah that's a lot of that number one yeah that's a lot of belladonna number two who the fuck's harvesting this is the question and who's selling like who are they selling it to right well i guess it's going in the soldiers med kits right anti-poison oh yeah 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 yeah. i forgot forgot about that see world war one is such a shit show yeah man yeah man yeah Tell us about flying ointment, please. All right. We're doing really we, good on time on this one, by the as way. As if I we think. haven't talked about flying ointment enough, we're going to tell you more about it. <laughs> 
So we briefly touched on flying ointments in our broom magic um, and lore episode. That's episode six, if you guys want to go back and listen to that. Uh, So this says recipes for the witch's flying ointment can be found in works of 16th century physicians and scholars Jerome Cardin and Giovanni Battista della Porta, in which the fat of infants is what? Yeah, dude, remember in the witch movie how she steals the baby and then you see her pounding the baby in the barrel to use the fat? Wait, what movie? The witch? Oh. Do you remember that scene? Vaguely. She steals okay. a baby, right? She steals a baby. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's That's in, in reference to the fat of the infants. That's fucked up. But anyway, it says the, the fat of infants is mixed with many various ingredients, including herbs known to have hallucinogenic and paralyzing effects. Delhi nightshade and aconitum, which is from Midwifery and Witchcraft by Thomas R. Forbes. Then in A Brief History of Witchcraft by Lois Martin, on pages 49 through 50, it says, In 1458, a man called Abraham the Jew published an account of an interesting experience. He met a witch in Linz, Austria, who gave him an ointment and told him to spread it all over his pulse points as she did the same. Abraham had the sensation of flying through the air to a place he wanted to visit. When he awoke, the witch told him a different tale of her travels, which inspired him to investigate further. He then asked her to take the ointment while he watched. Instead of flying, he observed the witch fall to the floor and remain immobilized for hours. He just basically watched her just like fall and start tweaking out. And I guess in her mind, in her mind, she had these travels, but physically she just like fucking fell to the floor. That's some like hardcore Alice Crowley like relationship uh-huh. Uh-huh. like uh-huh. again Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton weird weird yeah. weird weird so I want to watch you so this Abraham the Jew concluded that the ointment induced hallucinations of flying and other fantasies so it was not a physical thing like she did not physically travel to places via this hallucination no her mm-hmm. body was convulsing on the floor and she was mentally and i guess astral projecting to these other places. right so and also this is like taken word for word from the brief history as you mentioned um by lewis martin like this is how this this is the name of the man so we're not tra- we're not being anti-semitic it's listed as abraham the jew His, okay. he was known through history as abraham the jew correct Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So caveat anointer. Who's that? This, is that the author? Um, no, that's not the author. This is a really, really cool um Oh, is that uh, the title? Like, it's the title by Sarah Penica. And it's a really cool uh PDF. I don't know if it's a PDF download, mm-hmm. but um super interesting. Go ahead. All right. So caveat anointer, a study of flying ointments and their plants by Sarah Penica. Sarah says only deadly nightshade and possibly hemlock are truly hallucinogenic. And these are also highly toxic, generally more so, one could argue, that and their shamanic counterparts in the Americas especially. Aconite is included in recipes but is not hallucinogenic. However, neither henbane, mandrake, nor datura were used in flying ointments, although all three are hallucinogenic. So datura had not yet arrived from the New World and mandrake's mythos had already reached Europe before the herb itself arrived. But there seems to be no good reason why henbane, which came to be associated with witches at a later state, was not mentioned at this point. In Reginald Scat's The Discovery of Witchcraft of 1584, it's the most forthcoming text in terms of recipes and quotes from one man go as such uh this is this is a quote okay are you ready for this uh 1584 so is this renaissance period i guess an old witch known as johannes baptista nepolitanus from whom he learned that witches take the fat of young children (laughs) and water in a brazen vessel reserving the thickest of that which remaineth boiled in the bottom which they lay upon or (laughs) lay up and keep (laughs) Until occasion serveth to use it. They put her into elisolinum 
Akonitinum frondis populus in suit, whatever the fuck that means. I don't oh, know. That was so good. I, I wish I stopped means. interrupting you in the beginning. Like, oh, oh, oh. I don't know what all that means. But basically, of these ingredients, only aconitum or aconite or monkshood could have any noticeable alternative effect. And monkshood is not generally recognized as hallucinogenic. The effect of elysialenum, did I say that right? Depends on its definition, commonly thought to be parsley. Although a strong case can be made for the aesthetically similar and hallucinogenic hemlock. Poplar and soots are about as likely to be hallucinogenic as baby fat. This is making me very uncomfortable talking about baby fat, like using baby fat as a hallucinogenic. That's weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. But however, another recipe calls for the mysterious um, oh god, it's another it's another spell. Okay, Uh, real quick. I feel like the baby fat is more like their carrier oil, you know what I mean, as a a means to put it on their body. So you're not talking about like melting babies down and taking the fat from them and making this shit. I mean, like in the grander scheme of a mythos, like maybe like having like the blood of virgins kind of thing, okay. like okay. gives it a more mystical kind of tone. So but I really talking... think it would be some kind of fat that you are able to apply to your body. Okay, but it, we're not we're not actually talking about like murdering babies to get the fat to use in these. I think they at the time really thought that. I really think they thought witches women were using the fat of babies okay. to do this. All right, that's fucked up, but all right. All yeah. right, so so this next section where it says poplar and soot are as likely to be hallucinogenic. Here's another recipe. Um, you got I this. Guess, I guess Latin recipe. Okay, you ready for this? <clears throat> right, hold on, let me wet the whistle because this is, this okay. is, this is, a, this <laughs> is a lot okay. of words back to back to back. It's literally going to be loud in my mouth. Are you ready? I'm ready. And the spelling of these words is the original spelling, like with all the extra letters. Okay. Oh God. Oh God, I'm scared. Take a Okay. Siam akram vulgare pentafilon, the blood of a flitter mouse, solanum somniferum and oleum. They stamp all, wait, stomp, stamp, 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 hey? <laughs> all stamp? these together. And they rub all the parts of their bodies exceedingly till they look red and be very hot so as the porous may be opened and their flesh soluble and loose. They join hither wall, other fat and oil instead thereof, that the force of the ointment may the rather person worldly and so be more effectual. <laughs> I need that? to say something right now. Me trying to read anything normal looks like this. <laughs> Just Latin. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> oh my god. Perfect. You did that really well. Yeah, Christina's like window. No, it's 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 widow, Christina. <laughs> You're like, oh window. I thought it was just Latin for window. <laughs> Two or three times window. <laughs> Widow! Anyway, that's the new Wallace. That's the new Wallace. That's the new Wallace. No, Wallace has not had its proper time. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well so, done. So in this case, the effective ingredient is no doubt Solanum somniferum or deli nightshade. Although not all ingredients are readily identifiable, nothing else seems to be alternative in effect. This same Johannes Baptista Napolitanus, one of the leading Renaissance humanist physicians of Italy, Renaissance humanism was a revival in the study of classic antiquity. Um, At first in Italy and then spreading across Western Europe in the 14th and 15th and 16th centuries, also reports the tale most used in support of truly effective hallucinogenic hallucinogenic Ah, hallucinogenic flying ointments. Your brain is just in Latin now. My brain is mushing. You're too used to Latin. My brain is mushing out of its right ear. Just you wait, you have a little more. (laughs) 
This is the account of a witch falling haplessly into his hands, who promised. Oh god, here we go, another one, ready? To fetch me an errand out of hand from far countries, whereupon she undressed, frotted her body with certain ointments, and slept soundly. Mm -hmm. All this in spite of the fact that Napolitanus and his accomplices took it upon themselves to beat her exceedingly beforehand. Whoa! Oh my god. Upon awaking, the witch spoke many vain and doting words, claiming she had flown to distant places, although, of course, she had been within plain sight of them all along. And exceedingly is spelled E-X-C-E-E-D-I-N-G-L-I-E. Exceedingly. So that's like, I guess this whole paragraph is like the old English spellings of all these regular, normal words we know today, right? Right. All right. So Margaret Alice Murray, an Anglo-Indian Egyptologist, archaeologist, anthropologist, historian, and folklorist. Pretty much she's a jack of jack of all trades right here, right? She's I want to be her. Me too. And the first woman to be appointed as a lecturer in archaeology in the United Kingdom appends her quotes from the discovery. I guess that's a book, right? Or a text with the comment. Yeah, the, the one we used earlier, the discovery of witches. Right, right, right. 1584. Okay. Okay, so in this text, um, she quotes with the comment, Scott is, as usual, extraordinarily inaccurate in his statements and provides adulterated formulae in an appendix. This appendix gives three recipes for flying ointments presented by Murray as being definitive. So the first one is parsley, water of aconite, and poplar leaves and soot. The second one is water parsnip, sweet flag, synquifoil? Have you ever heard of that? Synquifoil? Or uh, bat's blood, Deadly nightshade and soot. And the last one, as we were saying before, baby's fat, juice of water, parsnip, aconite, syncofoil, deadly nightshade, and soot. And again, I want to look into this baby's fat. What the fuck is this baby's fat? What are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> um, and then lastly, for by the time of Johnson and Shakespeare, those herbs most freely associated with witchcraft include nightshade, hemlock, henbane, and mandrake. And over the last few centuries, Datura, Stramonium, or Tom Apple has gradually joined the ranks coming as it did to Europe from America in the 17th century. Holy shit, that was a lot. Whoa. Oh my god. You my did a great spinning. job. My head is spinning. You did such a good job though, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we're we're moving on to pop culture now, right? Let's talk about kind of kind of more uh, where it pops up in artistic works, poems, songs, lyrics, all that good stuff. Let's see. So it, belladonna is likely the poison that was used by the star-crossed lovers Romeo and Juliet to end their heartbroken lives. The symptoms described by Shakespeare in his prose are eerily similar to the effects of nightshade, and it says her blood is settled and her joints are stiff. Life and these lips have long been separated. Death lies on her like an untimely frost upon the sweetest flower of all the field. And this is Romeo and Juliet, Act 4, Scene 5. Dude, you're really good at Roman numerals. Roman numerals. Uh, my brain would have had an aneurysm before trying to say what that number was. <laughs> anyway, go I mean, on. Anything above 20, I'm not, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so we also have it show up in J.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. We got Belladonna Took Baggins, and this was Bilbo Baggins' mother. It comes up in Harry Potter, we kind of mentioned earlier. And in The Goblet of Fire, Harry carries Belladonna um, in his potion making kit. This next one you mentioned earlier, so Deadly yeah. Nightshade was with Sally in Nightmare Before Christmas, the ragdoll used to drug the evil scientist to go to sleep so she could escape escape his lair so she could go visit Jack. It was implied that this was uh, a frequent occurrence, apparently. Yeah, yeah. She she often, she drugged him a lot to get out of there. <laughs> she, she Does was he survive creation. in the end? Yeah, yeah. He survives, okay. but ultimately 
he accepts that she doesn't want to be his property anymore. So Mm -hmm. he basically creates another specimen, another, uh, I guess, like a female um, robot scientist. Yeah, just like another um, creation that is his. So then Sally goes and shacks up with Jack. (laughs) Got it. We have a 1973 anime movie as well as a 2008 indie movie by the same name uh, as Belladonna. There are countless titles uh, under goodreads.com with the title Belladonna. And this is the one I know the best. Mm -hmm. Probably the first time I heard the name Belladonna, but not knowing what it was. Belladonna is the debut solo studio album by Stevie motherfucking X. This was released on July 27th, 1981, and the album reached number one on the U.S. Billboard's 200 in September of that year. And then I found um, a post. Stevie Nicks has an Instagram, and this was a post in relation to her song Belladonna. She says, Belladonna was a dream. I chose Lori Perry. Nix and Sharon uh, Selenier. Oh, Lori Perry Nix. Wait, what is Lori Perry Nix is her sister-in-law and Sharon Selenier, they're her background singers that she's had for years. Do you want to read this? Could you read this? (laughs) Sure. So she says, Belladonna was a dream. I chose Lori Perry Nix and Sharon Selenier as my army to go on that journey with me. I wanted us to sound like the girl version of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I did not want the records to sound anything like Fleetwood Mac. That would have defeated the dream. So Belladonna also, you know, as we learned before, is is that Latin for beautiful woman, uh, but it's also a poisonous fruit. It says the song was written about my boyfriend's mother who was involved with a man in Chile during the coup that happened there in 1973. The man who she loved was banished to France, banished or imprisoned. That was the choice. The love story never really ended, uh, but she never saw him again. I was so touched by the story of lost love that I wrote Belladonna, the moment the poem and then the song was finished. I knew I had the basis for my first solo record. I believed in it deeply from the bottom of my heart. The girls and I instantly began our work. I never doubted for a moment that this song would be the title of the record and that it would change my life in so many ways and on so many levels. It was ours. It defined how I would feel about love forever. It broke my heart and it gave me the strength to fight for it. It was a fine line to walk between love and hate and passion, and the girls and I loved it. We never looked back. It came in at number three and went to number one. The world smiled. I cried. I could not have been more proud of these songs or the three months it took me and the girls and Jimmy Iovine to craft. It did not break up Fleetwood Mac. If anything, it kept us together. And then, as all never-ending dreams always do, it opened up the doors of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, took my hand, and invited me in for my own work, for the women of the world, the thing I am most proud of, and all because of a tragic love affair that caused an important and relevant song to be turned into a story that the world seemed to love, which is Bella Donna. And it says, come in out of the darkness, Stevie Nicks. And thank you, Maria Teresa Rojas, for being my inspiration. And I also found a little bit about this song on songfacts.com. So on songfacts.com, you can get the lyrics for for this song. Just to say a little bit, just a little bit of lyrics so you guys understand. Um, It says, you can ride high to top your pony. I know you won't fall because the whole thing's phony. You can fly swinging from your trapeze, scaring all the people, but you'll never scare me. Belladonna, and we fight for the Northern Star. 
no speed limit. This is the fast lane. It's just the way that it is here. And you say, I never thought it could. Belladonna, we fight for the Northern Star. And I love this next verse. It says, and the lady's feeling like the moon that she loved. Don't you know that the stars are part of us? And the lady's feeling just like the moon that she loved. And then it's kind of repetitive um, through the rest. There's like a couple more verses. And then it says, don't change, baby, please don't change. And you say, and your face becomes thin. You never thought it could. Come in out of the darkness, Belladonna. You are in love with, and I'm ready to sail. It's just a feeling. The lyrics are very simple, but very, very powerful. And um, about the facts of the song. Uh, there was an interview um, oh. back in the 80s real quick. Like a, a, She was also talking about the album. Yeah. It, it is visibly noticeable that she's probably affected you know um so and she had something kind of totally different to say about the album i don't know if she got distracted or what but it yeah. was not, not as good as like the what she had written up you know as of right. late so. right right um in this song facts on the in this like list there's like a whole list of song facts for this song um but the one thing that i pulled out that i thought was really interesting it says nix has been long fascinated with witch culture but in this case, Belladonna is a metaphor for the rock and roll lifestyle, which can kill you if you're not careful. And that kind of mm. goes back to the lyric about talking about no speed limit. This is the fast lane. It's just the way that it is here. So that kind of makes sense to me. Like yeah, living sure. life in the fast lane, constantly having to keep up with this rock and roll lifestyle. So I can kind of see the, um, I guess, where she's going with it, with the metaphors that she's using. Yeah, for sure. So, so I thought that was interesting how she compared this like this dangerous lifestyle to this dangerous witchy mm-hmm. herb, mm-hmm. you know, and also had like the tongue in cheek name of like beautiful woman, you mm-hmm. know, in regard to what was it her boyfriend's mother at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool. Thank you. And also one more thing, if you want to like, if you want to associate or kind of make a connection between beautiful woman and this like glamorous lifestyle, like on the outside looking in this rock rock and roll rock star lifestyle looks so glamorous, so appealing. Anybody else would want to be oh, in yeah. that position. But like for her to actually be in that position and see and um, experience kind of like the cons and like the kind of like dark side of it all. I think that's a really profound and really interesting way to to look at it as this like beautiful woman. It looks so glamorous. It looks so beautiful and appealing, but it really is so dangerous. She's the songbird of our generation. No, man. <laughs> fucking Stevie fucking X, man. <laughs> so um, we have a Belladonna inspired tea. Now this is Belladonna as two words, okay? Um, and this is again from the Adagio T collection. It's a different creator though. This one's by CC Sharstrom. And again, that line you read before. Um, so this is ex- inspired by Stevie's song and it says the lady feeling just like the moon that she'd loved. Don't you know that the stars are a part of us? Mysterious and dreamy. Um, they have listed for this tea and it's creamy Earl Grey, blackberry, silent and almond mingled with zesty orange for a taste like walking through a garden in the moonlight dude dude i love that that is so yeah yeah steep this guy for three minutes it is highly caffeinated so it's um blended with black tea natural blackberry flavors 
orange, blue cornflower, raspberry leaves, natural vanilla flavors, natural bergamot flavors, natural cream flavor. Oh, I'm going to say cream, natural cream flavors, and natural <laughs> almond flavors. Um, and then listed, there's a the little tea section. I'm thinking um, it says teas probably use is Earl Grey Moonlight, almond, blackberry, and accented with orange peel. Sounds like a lovely blend. Walk in in the garden at moonlight. In the moonlight. I love it. I love it. Me. I'm starting that moon garden. I'm fucking starting that moon garden this year. Good. Good, good, good. <laughs> so we're going to um, talk about some magical uses and some correspondences, magical properties. So um, the gender is feminine. Uh, the planet is Saturn. It's uh, ruled by the element of water. And the deities are Hecate, which is Greek, and Bologna, which is Rome, and Circe, which is also Greek. The ritualistic uses, I guess in history, the priests of Bologna, according to the ancient tradition, drank and infused in a belladonna prior to worshiping her and invoking her aid. And Bologna is the Roman goddess of war whom we touched on earlier. And in the past, it was used to encourage astral projection and to produce visions, but safer alternatives are available today and Belladonna is best avoided. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, I think you can produce hallucinations, I think with mugwort, if you drink enough of that, right? My friend Heather, the one that I was telling you was into like all those baneful herbs and stuff. I'm not mm -hmm. that mugwort is baneful. You can use it in your medicinal practice. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's also used as a regulator of, of the female reproductive system, um, but yeah. don't use it if you're pregnant. It will induce pregnancy or it has been known to been a substitute for, I guess, like a or herbal abortion. Right, Almost. right. I know it was with it if you're in the news when the whole Roe v. Wade thing. Like, uh -huh. fine, what a mess. As as like, hey, if you are in dire times, get your hands on some. Dude, again, like you can really mess yourself up. Yes, it, it's uh, an abortive, but really, I don't know. I don't know about it. It could probably mess you up. Do your research. <laughs> Do your research, man. Do your research. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what website this Kobe Michael Ward thing is from let me click on it it is from oh the poisoner's apothecary okay so the poison oh we were talking about that before right yeah yeah so was Kobe Michael Ward the founder Author of, of this? Uh, no, he's just a contributor to this. Okay. Okay. So Kobe Michael Ward says, as a gatekeeper plant, she opens the energy centers, expands awareness to spiritual realms, opens gateways to other realms of consciousness, trance, and the other world. She can also help us in removing toxic situations and people and providing offensive protection. Belladonna is a combination of Saturnian energy, being a poisonous plant, and martial force due to her aggressive and protective nature. Um, so I guess Mars, right? They're talking about the planet Mars, Marshall Force. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Also, at times, she acts as a herb of Venus with her seductive qualities. Um, her spirit has been described as one with dark hair and dark eyes. I guess it's described as that in the plant spirit familiar by Christopher Penzak. Uh, she is described as having the ability to open the gates of the middle world, allowing us to explore the subtle reality while still being on this plane and in this body. So again, astral projection. I'm, guess I'm guessing that's what that's referring to. Appropriate for works of necromancy, specifically calling the dead to the middle world for assistance. Personal experience recommends employing appropriate protective measures before attempting this. Her <laughs> affinity with witchcraft makes her a perfect plant for offerings and summoning the mighty dead. She is able to connect with and reach out to those individuals who have walked the crooked path before us, which Alice Hoffman talks about a lot in mm -hmm. mostly the the second two books, right? Magic Lessons. And magic Book Lessons of magic. and Book of Magic. They talk about the crooked path a lot, or also known as the 
left-hand path and have chosen to remain behind to help other practitioners, thereby continuing their own work. Belladonna is a quintessential plant of the traditional classical witchcraft current. And as a charm, fetish, or talisman, Belladonna has numerous applications within the realm of natural magic. The ways this plant can be used to create vessels for spirits or talismans of protection barely scratches the surface of the practical magic applications for this power-enhancing herb. The spirit of the plant also guides the practitioner to new and insightful uses for the plant material. As a witch's power plant or a magical catalyst, it can be added to any formula or charm for added power, specifically when connected to the power of the witch's familiar spirit. As an herb of mastery, this plant can be utilized to bring success to one's endeavors. She is known for destroying her enemies by subversive means, binding their actions and exposing their secrets, and she is particularly appropriate for magical warfare, lending her martial qualities and berserker rage to magical weapons mm -hmm. when enchanting them. The juice from the berries or leaves can be used to anoint objects for, of magical protection, divination, and necromantic fetishes. It can also be made into a tincture for the same purposes, which lasts indefinitely. I have a question. Yeah. Is necromantic fetishes like death. ghost sex? Yeah. Is it necrophilia? I think necrophilia is when you actually have sex with the dead or like a, a corpse. Right. But necromancy, I think, is the magical practice of working with the dead. So not ghost sex. Not ghost sex. Not clear person okay. sex. No. Okay. Clear people. <laughs> <laughs> Not clear people's eggs. Um, okay. So that leads us to, I think this is our last segment. Or we have maybe maybe two more. Maybe one more after this? Anyway, yeah, just this, the dreams. Yeah, go ahead. This is, this is all about Emporium Black Truffles. This is a company that I found on Instagram. They actually produce black truffles. And they also incorporate the use of belladonna and I think other baneful herbs, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I saw that also. Yeah, so I was, this piqued my interest because I was like, okay, First of all, who's just like eating these chocolates like on a, I don't know, Tuesday like Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, like it's kind of like a, what's it called? recreational purposes like are people just like eating these chocolates like recreationally it sounds like it kind of like an ayahuasca thing like you said to like get enlightened it's still it's still around but but that's not recreational use though that's like ceremonial ceremonial use i'm saying recreationally as like like you know when you like marijuana right mm -hmm. like there's medicinal use and there's recreational use which is like at a party just get enjoying the high you know what I mean? Not necessarily Wonder, to achieve any means of like enlightenment or higher attainment. They're you know hosting like truffle truffle parties. Yeah, you think? Like what? Yeah. Um. So this company, I read. I I was like, all right, now my interest is peaked. I have to like dive a little deeper. I went to their, I guess their FAQ page or their about page, and I was like, okay, what actually is the goal, or what is the? Why are they producing these chocolates? These baneful herb chocolates? <laughs> Who is mm -hmm. eating these? Why are they creating these? Who are they creating these for? So it says our goal, this is Emporium Black Truffles talking about, our goal is to make sacred plant medicines as approachable as possible. So I'm like, okay, so they consider this a very sacred experience. This is not for recreational mm -hmm. purposes. This is for medicinal purposes. And again, they put, I guess, very, very small doses in these truffles and also i don't think you're recommended to eat a whole I truffle at once it. it's basically like a weed gummy like you take like a little bite and then you're good you know you wait for the effects to sit on and then just like don't eat any more than that you only need like a little bite so it's not like something i that would not have the self-control same that's what i'm saying like and the same thing goes for like weed gummies or weed chocolate i'm like just give me regular candy for that matter like right 
Because once I pop, I can't stop. They're like Pringles. <laughs> so they say our goal is to make sacred plant medicines as approachable as possible. With our delicious chocolate nightshade truffles, we offer the tools to help people reconnect and become their truest selves. Enjoying these truffles can allow people to find their way home, realign their psyches, and set themselves free in a loving way. Consuming these truffles is is legal, as are all of the ingredients used to make them. Okay. Um, I'm with you so far. Okay. So far, so far not sounding too bad. Okay. So 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 they go on to say our truffles offer a gentle way to ingest sacred plants without causing hallucinations or an overwhelming experience. Emporium Black Truffles allows you to open doors to parts of your life and psyche that need your love and attention. When ingested in these low amounts, the plants help you connect and align with your authentic self. So it's Okay, still on board. Still yeah, on board. So it sounds like kind of like along the lines of ayahuasca, but not not as extreme. Like you're not pissing your shitting and vomiting all over yourself. Right. But you're also not being watched, I guess. You're also not being taken care of like you would in a shamanic ritual. Right. You're on your own in like Brad's basement, you know? Brad's basement. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I guess they have had some indigenous oversight because this next line, they go on to clear this up. They say, for several years, I lived with an indigenous community in the Pacific Northwest. During this time, I had the honor of getting to know the rituals and traditions associated with ingesting their sacred plants, particularly peyote. I experienced this religious sacrament as part of the Native American church, and I carry those uh, times with me to this day. But when I left the reservation, I knew I could not and would not use their sacred plants outside of that setting. Peyote and other Native American plants are not rightfully mine to use as a non-Indigenous person outside of the Native community's blessing and guidance. So that you know, they're they're making it very clear that they're not um, appropriating appropriating anybody else's culture. They did it only under the guidance and um, observation of people in that culture. Exactly. So they say my training and exploration led me to the plants that my European ancestors would have used in their sacred rituals centuries ago. And these are the plants that now compose our hand-dipped gourmet chocolate nightshade truffles. (laughs) Whoa. Right? They're pretty. Um, I I can't say they're not pretty. They are very, very pretty. But again, so is nightshade. Yeah. Belladonna, that beautiful woman, she'll get ya. She'll get ya. Get ya. Each truffle is indeed a composition. The plants have lyrics and melodies to share with it. Oh, ooh, I love that. As a songwriter, you got me. You got me. <laughs> She's hooked <laughs> now too. The plants have lyrics. We're both on board. <laughs> the plants have lyrics and melodies to share with us. I love that. And it's my joy to listen and honor that as I combine and balance the plants to create each truffle. Blending the plants that want to sing together creates a harmonious connection for whoever is enjoying the truffle. This harmony allows each of us to enjoy a gentle, kind, and comforting experience. Have you seen those little things? It's a little box with two little clippy clips on it and you can clip it to the leaves of the plants and it plays. I don't know the science behind it, but different plants have different melodies and sounds and it plays the plants sound. What? Isn't that cool? Where'd you see that? Everywhere. Hold on. I got to figure out what it's called. Ooh, can we, let's put that in our show notes. I've never seen that or heard of that before, but that that's fascinating for anybody who's into music and plants. This sounds like it'd be your jam. There's one by Plant Wave. There's one on Amazon. What is it exactly? So is it like a music box? Like you just clip it to your plant and it plays the music? No, they give off different frequencies. So it puts those frequencies, I guess, into sound. That's fascinating. It's really neat. When I find the video, I will send it to you. 
All right. But it comes with these little tiny like clips, like a little electrodes. Yeah, they're not sticky. They're just like a gentle little pincher that you can put on the plant leaf. And you can play all these different sounds. Uh, It's frequency. Oh, here it is. It's um, plant therapy, music of the plant. It's $800. Holy shit. So you know it's legit. All right. So if you're a baller, try this and let us know how it goes because we can't afford this. We cannot afford this. So yeah, let us know if you have one. Um, I don't yeah. know if you can see the photo of it. So it's a oh, little yeah, box. Yeah. It looks like an iP- like a wooden iPod. Like back in right. the day, those old iPods. Yeah, and it um, plays a little ting to ting to ting ting. I love that. Um, all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Um love that for you. We only have a couple more little lines about this Emporium Black um truffles company. It says at Emporium Black, it's crucial that we are respectful and authentic in our use of these plants and that we do not infringe on the rights and beliefs of indigenous cultures that are not our own. And to that end, as people of European descent, our truffles are based on plants used centuries ago in that part of the world. In every way, we want to honor the people and the plants. We even use fair trade chocolate. Um, So they have a whole FAQ page if you want more information on that chocolate. They've also done an interview. So listen to a podcast interview with Seamus Black, Emporium Black's creator, and Catherine Soli of Persephone's Path. So if you're, you're more interested, crazy. yeah, check that out if you're interested in learning more about these chocolates, if you think this is your kind of vibe, if you want to experience these chocolates. I don't know, Christina, what do you think? Would you ever try one of these? Oh. Would you? I probably would. I probably would. Yeah? A little nibble. Yeah. Little but I would nibble. have to be very, very close, much closer to a hospital than I am now. <laughs> yeah. During the next six to 12 hours. Right, right, right. What about you? Um, yeah, I don't know, man, because this is saying that, like, okay, it doesn't cost... It doesn't cause hallucinations. That's what it, it says. Right? I don't know. It says it op- allows you op- to open. It's very vague because it says it doesn't cause hallucinations, but then it says it it allows you to open doors to parts of your life and your psyche. So you must be, you're tripping on some level to have this kind of experience, right? Well, your heart is slowing down too, right? So you're going to be relaxed. It's uh-huh. probably dilating your eyes, you know, so your vision is going to be a little funky. It's causing that extra saliva, you know, I don't know. So you, I, so, in essence, so in essence, you are having some sort of reaction. Oh, I'm sure. Right? I don't know. We gonna... have to, I want to listen to that interview. And also they do have reviews on their website also. Okay. So I wonder but if going people back, say anything there. But, but going back to the whole bit about if you're having a reaction to Belladonna, then you're already overdosing. True. Yeah, right. You're right. So, you're right. So that, that part trips me out. Like any little reaction, I'm like, oh my God, I'm overdosing. I'm going to die. I need to go to a hospital. I don't know. I know I'd be all up in my head about it. I can't even eat chocolate without freaking out. So like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Again, guys, we don't recommend any of these things. We're just putting out there what we find. Okay. Yeah, man. Do your own research. Uh, Yep. Use your own judgment. Approach with your own caution. But if you have an experience and you want to share with us, if you've had any experience with Belladonna, we'd love to know your stories. Yes, please. And we'll read them. We will read them. If you allow us. So lastly, guys, thanks for sticking with us through this awesome, awesome, awesome Belladonna episode. We have Belladonna shows up in your dreams. Uh, And this is from the Ultimate Dictionary of Dream Language by Brasidia Ryan, which we have used before. Here it is. Do not risk everything by sidestepping your responsibilities for the next couple days. This is the very specific dream dictionary that I have. That's like, you have low iron. (laughs) Do you remember that one? If you dream about beetles, you have low iron. I don't know what it was. Yeah. But uh, there you go. Do not risk everything by sidestepping your responsibilities. Yeah. Wow. That was a that was a lot of information. But, but look look how well we did. 140. We did, 
I would say we did pretty well on time. Yeah, we hope this sheds a little more light on the infamous Atropa Belladonna, and we can't say it enough. Do not eat it. Don't be Jillian. And don't give it to anyone. And sure as hell, don't be Christina and go to Renaissance Fair expecting them to just be handing out this shit like it's fucking <laughs> Mentos or I don't know. I was an ignorant child. It was not my fault. I didn't. It was my fault. I needed to research. That is too funny, though. That's yeah. hilarious. Do- do we have anything else we need to tell the listeners? Look out for our book club. Look out for our uh, bonus radio show episode after this one will be our first one. If you are mm-hmm. on um, the Spotify mobile app, you will be able to access these bonus episodes. If not, we're sorry. <laughs> sorry um, yeah, yeah. Um, get on Spotify mobile app and you'll be able to hear these bonus radio show episodes. Um, again, if you are a premium member, you'll be able to hear the songs in their entirety. If not, you will hear about a 30-second snippet of each song. And this mm. is not us trying to sell premium membership. Again, they don't have an affiliate program. They so ain't we're not paying us. They ain't paying us to say that. So yeah, we're yeah, just yeah. we're just letting you know. If you want to hear the songs in their entirety, you need a premium membership. We apologize. This isn't our rule. This is Spotify's yeah. rule. We don't well, make the rules. Yeah. But um, we wanted a, we wanted a space to incorporate all the music that we love so much that is involved in this podcast and practical magic as a whole. Um, but we did want to do it on a regular episodes because we don't want to alienate anybody who's already listening to our regular episodes and they wouldn't get the episodes otherwise i love your idea i think yeah. it's a great idea let me know when you want to record that um yeah, man. maybe this weekend really, really, we'll, really. Start, we'll do one all right all right oh i hope i can go pick up my greenhouse this weekend fingers crossed did, did you ever did she ever write you back i said should i plan on coming on saturday and she gave me a thumbs up all right so nobody so i nobody guess that means it it's there nobody jacked it yet so that's good uh yeah so uh again we got we hope you guys really enjoyed that song episode we did a couple weeks ago and let us know how you feel about the songs that are going to be coming out but that the whole thing you can listen to the whole thing over on our patreon and uh through the patreon you get the facebook group and the discord where our (laughs) my brain went (laughs) i know where our book club is going to be held and every month we're gonna get together with y'all and talk to you about uh maria's story upcoming 2023 yeah man that's Uh, which is where we are oh my god this comes out in 2023 we also have the instagram most of you know where to find us there again feel free to tag us and stuff let us know your if you have had any any interaction with belladonna or anything similar so we got an email magnolia street podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us the story there what am i missing oh yeah um if you guys can join our patreon for as little as one dollar a month and that gets you access to our poll um you you guys can weigh in on the topics you want to hear us discuss so if you have a topic that you see on that poll that you want to hear us talk about get your votes in so um your voices can be heard we will talk about whatever you want us to talk about on the three dollar tier you get our show notes everything we talked about on today's episode will be available in one little neat aesthetically pleasing pdf that you can download and print out if you so wish and also um christine has been doing these wonderful after hours posts just to weigh in a little bit elaborate a little bit more on the behind the scenes of these episodes and i'm trying to get i'm trying to get my my uh after hours posts in eventually i get i'll get around to one guys i promise it's all good that's about it our eight dollar tier gets you the songs and other audio visual bonus content yeah Awesome. Sounds good. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for visiting on Magnolia Street, you guys. I'm Justina. And I'm Christina. And And we'll we'll see you next time. time. At that house down the street. At that house on Magnolia Street. Would you go down to Magnolia Street with the wisteria girl? So would you go down to McDonald's?
another one in the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to go pee. Mm-hmm. I think I have to go poop.